Talk Radio 77 WABC. WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. Boy. This is Sit and Friends in the Morning. Friends, how many of us have them? Friends. 77 WABC. Now to the migrant crisis here in the city. We're learning that several schools will be used to house incoming asylum seekers. All right, as you can imagine, many parents aren't happy with the plan, claiming they were never told. I don't mind giving a helping hand, but when it interferes with the education of our students, yes, I do care. The mayor really got to look into the law, into what's permissible. It doesn't have to be in the public schools. They can put them somewhere else. With just a few weeks to go before the Albany legislative session concludes for the year, Governor Hochul says she's not confident her housing plan can be resurrected and passed before then. Hochul says she is now considering what she can do unilaterally. What else can be accomplished by executive orders? What what opportunities I have as governor to um, find ways to create more housing on state-owned properties, for example, areas where I can achieve more. Breaking news to bring you the Justice Department releasing Special Counsel John Durham's report analyzing the origins of the so-called Russia investigation, which looked into ties between Russia and former President Donald Trump's 2016 campaign. At more than 300 pages and the product of 480 interviews and the review of 6 million pages, the report criticized the FBI for investigating the 2016 Trump campaign, saying the Bureau and the Justice Department, quote, failed to uphold their important mission of strict fidelity to the law. Don't know when he wrote it, but he did talk about all of us leaving New York and moving down to Miami. And the year again was 2017. Well, it's six years later, 2023. And just like his song says, even Billy Joel has left New York and gone to Florida. I mean, there's so many stories to discuss today. The Durham Report, we'll get to that right away. That's a big one. I know MSNBC has some jerk-off on right now saying, well, that report really told us nothing. It told us nothing. And that's going to be the Democrats. 
take on this, of course. Of course it told us something. It told us everything. Everything we already knew. So we got that. We got these migrants. I call them illegals. Now, in our gyms, you know, my kids, uh, thank God, are out of schools in the New York City public school system. But I got to tell you, if my kid's walking down the hall trying to shoot some baskets, as Gabriel does daily, goes towards the gym and has a bunch of migrants sitting there, illegals, I'd be really pissed, really pissed. So all these stories we got to get to, but Billy Joel is out. You know, I just had actor Scott Bayo on this show Friday, Scott and I, I've become really good friends over the years. He was like the only Republican. It was him and uh, Anthony Sabato Jr., good-looking guy from General Hospital and some other show I did, I forgot. And they were like the only two actors that were supporting Donald Trump back in 2016. Bayo even spoke at the RNC, you may remember. Scott Bayo, Chachi. Then he had his own show, Charles and Charge, did very, very well, and he's done a whole bunch of stuff. I had forgotten... I watched the uh, Pamela Anderson doc a couple of weeks ago that Bayo was with her, too, and didn't treat her very nicely. She, he was uh, one of those guys. But um, Bayo left Los Angeles and called me on this show Friday from Florida. He went to Florida, too. And he said, Sid, you know, why are they talking to me? I'm a conservative. It's obvious why I left Los Angeles. Right? They got the same crime laws we've got here. They've got homeless and criminals setting up tents in Los Angeles, San Francisco. Some of our most gorgeous cities across America have been ruined. I don't want to hear it, folks. They've been ruined by Democrat policy. He left. He said, but why do they want to talk to me? Talk to the Democrats. Brad Pitt, he left Los Angeles. Katy Perry. She left Los Angeles, and I don't think Billy Joel's a big Trump guy, <laughs> and he's out of New York. He moved uh, just south of Palm Beach. I wonder if he moved where Howard Stern lives. Stern, I think, was in Palm Beach. I think Stern was on the same block as, like, Rush Limbaugh. But uh, anyway, Billy Joel out of here. He go, Lewis. So, um, and I did hear the neighborhood he moved into has a lot of palm trees. I'm going. That's always dangerous for Billy Joel after a... <laughs> I heard they put down these yellow arrows that said, Billy, turn left here. Go straight here, moving out. How old is Billy now? Uh, I think he's close to 72. I thought he was Somewhere in there. Late. And uh, 76 is when he wrote... Uh, okay. Oh, 1976. Where, okay. It was released. That's funny. Yeah. Let's see. Wait a second. I had him up. Uh, so he I guess, is 74. 74. Sorry. So his residency at the Garden is, is over. So Danielle says, you got to call your friend Vinny Viola. Vinny owns the Florida Panthers, who right now are in the Eastern Conference Finals, NHL Stanley Cup Finals, taking on the Carolina Hurricanes. They've been one of the great Cinderella stories of the sports postseason this year. He also owns the building that the Panthers play in, in Sunrise where they have concerts and all kinds of fun stuff. And she said, call your friend Vinny. He's a Brooklyn guy. He loves Billy Joel. And have Billy Joel do his residency in Sunrise. Uh-oh. I said, I don't think I need to call Vinny to tell him that, but sure, I'll do it. Fine. And it's obvious why he left, because of the money, the taxes. I go, Daniel, he's made a lot of money. Taxes, taxes don't bother people like Billy Joel. When you make millions and millions and millions of dollars, taxes don't bother you. 
Taxes bother guys like me, who people think I make a really good living. I don't. I'm not a seven-figure guy. I make just enough, just enough to make it seem like I do okay. And the truth is, by the time my paycheck comes every two weeks, I'm down to like $10. Ten. So I worry about taxes. I worry about illegals coming here. I was talking to my cab driver, Gene, this morning. I said, Gene, how many people are in my family? And he said, four. You, Danielle, Ava, and Gabriel. I said, <laughs> like 4,000. Because putzes like me end up footing the bill for the rest of these people. Just like my dad did for years. My dad would send me to all these private schools in New York. And then I'd see some kid in my school who, like, he couldn't afford to buy a sandwich at Subway. And I'm like, wait a second. How is this kid in my class? How? Well, he gets help. Well, who does he get help from? Your father? And now I'm experiencing that. And I hate it. I hate it. I'm a very nice person. I'm a kind-hearted soul. But I don't get up at 3.30 in the morning and go to work every day to take care of your kids. I don't even like your kids. I really don't. I'm sick of it. So Billy Joel's out, and I'm not far behind. <laughs> that's going to make you go now. No, that's it. I mean, don't even laugh. I was looking at homes, and uh, <laughs> I got two years left on my contract. <laughs> at that point, I'll be 58 years old. I remember when uh, I wanted to come back to New York, I, I said to people, I go, I hated the way the last the chapter of the book ended. When I wrote You're Wrong and You're Ugly with Paul Schwartz, I hated the way the book ended. It ended with a really embarrassing firing from WFAN in 2005, and I spent 11 years, 11 years in South Florida trying to get back to New York to rewrite the ending of the book. Now, I always thought it would be sports, WFAN, I had no idea I'd become the most important, influential, biggest, and best political talk show host in New York, blowing away the competition, all of them. Hannity, Levin, I kill them all. I triple their ratings. Triple, Greg Kelly, triple them. Triple. But I wanted to rewrite that last chapter. Well, I've done it. I've proven my point. Came back to New York, became number one. Time to go back to the beach. Don't you think? So that's it? You think you've done everything now? Yeah. I mean, look, I make, I take home about 48% of what my salary is. You know, in Florida, you, you, you get a salary, you basically make that. You know, there's no state tax. And stuff is a little cheaper. It's not much cheaper. Real estate is much cheaper. But, you know, like you go up for dinners. I lived in Boca. That wasn't cheap. You know, here I go to Gristides. There I went to Publix. That wasn't cheap. But um, I know where Billy Joel is coming from. But is he going to just stay there forever or and come back? Just imagine how much his taxes, like, let's take oh, his, what his gross oh, is. Oh, it's millions. But sure. just how his taxes could be, like, five of our salaries. Of here, course. Or yeah. he, just easy. But that's how much. But, but he still doesn't But he doesn't feel it. it. Right. right. He doesn't well, feel it. He doesn't want to get rid of all. I don't think well, that's why the athletes I, I don't want to th- go to Florida. I don't think he's moving to Florida now because of taxes. Well, that's not the reason. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. Right. Yeah. But, um... I think I'll come back, uh, you know, the Hamptons over the summer. One thing about living in Florida, and I did it for 16 years, the summers are awful. Anybody who says to you it's not that bad is lying. Now, I was a member 
of the Boca Raton Beach Club. It's now called the Boca. These are the biggest douchebags God ever created. Every snotty Long Island moron who all of a sudden moved to South Florida and became so important. They're not, okay? But they they go there, you know, they're like, they're married, they got kids, they do cocaine, they drink, hang out on the beach with their stupid, you know, bodies, uh, big lips and new boobs and new asses and white bikinis and fake tans. This is Boca Raton for you. It is a joke. It's a joke. And uh, the, the, all you can do is go to the beach. You can't do anything else. Like yesterday, for example, I must tell you, I took my son Gabe for a walk. It was a gorgeous day, breezy, low 70s, no humidity. You don't get those days in Florida outside of November and December. That's it. This time of year, every day is the same thing, 88, sunny, brutal humidity. So like my cousins, they haven't seen the sun in years they're pale as a ghost. They go, why would you move to Florida and look unhealthy? The beauty is, get out on the beach, get some co- No, it's too hot out. You know, I remember going to Dolphin games, Miami Dolphin football games. They would leave in the second quarter. Tight game, big game, the gun, too hot. I go, wait a second. There are Cleveland Brown fans sitting out in the stands. They're losing toes today. It's so cold. Doesn't matter. Too hot. I'd rather be on a jet ski. It's a silly place. It's just a silly place. But uh, God bless Billy and everybody else, and good luck to you. So I, I was happy to see this uh, Durham report, as I mentioned earlier, come out. And again, uh, this is what MSNBC is reporting right now. Durham report another dud. This according to Mika, Joe, and some idiot they've got on right now. And, of course, what they don't understand is all their feeble attempts to get my friend Donald Trump all have been duds, all of them, Russian hoax, Ukraine hoax, two impeachment hoax, the Salvin Bragg thing, even E. Jean Carroll. No rape. No rape. So they took number two on the jury instruction sheet. Time after time, every time the Democrats go after Donald Trump, that turns out to be duds. Now, to their point, do I think this will be a big deal? The Durham report, of course not. Hillary Clinton's not going to prison anytime soon, or Barack Obama. But I think Mark Levin, the average one, I renamed him. The great one is only Wayne Gretzky. They've got the same nickname, and quite frankly, Mark Levin will never live up to Wayne Gretzky. So Gretzky's the great one, and Levin, with his big stupid mouth, he's the average one. But, but, he's a brilliant guy. This is where I'm an adult, and I'll give him credit. And when he attacks issues like this, he does a very good job. So he was on with his butt boy, Sean Hannity, on Fox News. Those two love each other. And he talked about the Durham report, and he talked about the FBI, and he talked about Russia, and he talked about Donald Trump. It's a bit long. It's about two and a half minutes. But I think Mark Levin really nails it right here. Lewis, this is Mark Levin, cut number four. The Republican Party needs to understand something, as do the American people. This massive federal edifice that's been built in Washington, D.C., works for the Democrat Party. It's an appendage of the Democrat Party. When we have Republican presidents, they sabotage the Republicans. They'll investigate them. They'll leak against them. When we have Democrat presidents, you don't see that kind of behavior. In fact, they enlist the massive bureaucracy to issue regulations and rules and to sick their political opponents. This report right here, the dorm report, is actually very, very important because it gives the official seal to what is 
the American Stasi. At every step of the way, this FBI ignored evidence, did not get corroborating evidence, had no evidence, uh, did everything it could to protect Hillary Clinton, and did everything it could to destroy Donald Trump. It falsified information. They were told not to take notes. They had no um, uh, basis whatsoever for unleashing their investigation. This country went through this for over two years. It sparked the Mueller investigation. And Donald Trump is a victim, and he's the greatest victim in American political history. And here's the problem, America. This same FBI edifice is in place right now. Christopher Wray is a fool. He is a bureaucrat. He uh, does not understand that the Constitution puts congressional oversight ahead of sources and methods. He is just as bad as the guy before him. It's just a disaster what's going on over there. We now have a U.S. attorney dressed up as a special counsel going after Donald Trump again. That document case didn't have to be criminalized. That's ridiculous to make a, to have a warrant to send down a SWAT team to Mar-a-Lago. None of that was necessary. That all could have been negotiated. This whole thing about January 6th uh, in terms of uh, another grand jury to see if Donald Trump was trying to prevent uh, the, the peaceful transition. It's ridiculous. It was Donald Trump who offered 10,000 armed National Guardmen to protect that building. That should be evidence enough to say, you know what, it's ridiculous to be investigating him. So they're not done. And the Republicans on Capitol Hill need to understand this administration, this FBI, this Department of Justice is targeting them. And they're not going to submit themselves to oversight. So what do they do? Well, they can litigate it. But they need to do everything they can to slash the FBI's budget. It's too big. It is a massive police state operation. It's like the Stasi. There it is. Mark Levin. It's like the Stasi. Well said. Mark Levin. We got to get to the, uh, the illegals crowding our kids' schools, staying in gymnasiums. I did send a text to Mayor Eric Adams last night. He did respond relatively quickly. And um, I said, I want to talk to you about this. So setting up a dinner for later on this week or early next week. We'll be back on the show next week. But whether it's Fort Tilden, like Curtis Sleva alerted me to yesterday, or these gymnasiums, this is just no good. No good. Now, I did read something from Charlie Kirk that said the mayor was in a courtroom yesterday trying to shed the sanctuary city from New York. I have no idea if that's true or not. But that would be a good first step by the mayor in combating what is becoming an unsustainable issue in New York and across the United States. Huge show about to come your way, my dear friend, the lovely one out of Alaska, Sarah Palin, getting up at 2 in the morning, Alaska time, to join me. So get us going at 640. We'll talk sports with the greatest in the history of sports talk radio, Christopher Mandog Russo. Coming up at 7. The always entertaining and brilliant Bo Deedle. Coming up at 7.40. Gnomes Nuggets, 8.25. Monica Crowley coming up at 8.40. From the New York Post, Michael Goodwin at 9.05. And Staten Island Borough President Vito Pocella coming up at 9.25. Plus, my buddy Tom Biggers, this folks, happens to be NYPD Memorial Week. So say a prayer for the fallen officers we've lost over the years. Biggers coming up at 725. It's a huge Tuesday show with Billy Joel, 
now in Florida, and Sid Rosenberg, for now, still in New York. Accident. Trust Gabu Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabu Law has recovered millions for their clients and they will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabu Law today, 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email Email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O-Law.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. For my friends. 77 WABC. Today, highs hovering around 80 degrees. Sarah Palin gets us going. She's waking up 2 o'clock in the morning, Alaska time, just to join me. She's been great to me, Sarah. And, of course, Sarah's boyfriend is one of my best friends, a guy I've been very, very friendly with for a long time, and that is former New York Ranger hockey great, Ron Duguay. So Sarah going to join us at um, at 6.40. We did cover the Durham report and Billy Joel going down to Florida in the first segment. But locally, of course, the big story is these illegals. i got to stop myself from calling them migrants. These illegals that are just inundating our city, our state, our country. They've ruined just about every major city in a once beautiful country. They just have. And now they've got them in gymnasiums all across the city. Last I heard yesterday, I believe there were three, if I remember correctly, Coney Island, Sunset Park, and I forgot the third. Norm Layden, of course, is our newsroom director. Norm, how many gymnasiums 
all these people being held in. So no. there's one that's PS 188 in Coney Island. Right. Uh, and it's 75 adult migrants are staying in the gym there. The gym, just so you know, it's not connected to the school. It's a separate building. Okay. But the kids don't have gym class now as long as those kids are there. Okay. So the kids don't walk past these people. But, but like you said, now the kids really enjoy recess or sports. They can't do it. No, I mean, as far as we know, you know, I guess it'll be outdoors. They just won't have the gym for, I would imagine, the rest of the school year. And so, they say it's temporary. So I got to tell you, if I'm a, a parent and I'm there at the uh, John Katzmatidis Beautiful Ocean Drive buildings or what's that other neighborhood with the gates um, uh, down Surf Avenue there? It used to be really nice. Not so nice anymore, but it used to be beautiful um, at the end of Coney Island. Come on. Oh, uh, uh, Brighton. No, 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 no. Gated community. Anyway, long story short, Seagate, Seagate thank you Seagate. very much. Seagate is right. So if I'm living in uh, in Coney Island and my kid goes to that school, it's not okay that my kid can't go to gym because a bunch of Venezuelans are living on the floor. It's It's just not okay. Why would the mayor or the governor or anybody else think it's okay? Why? Well, some I, of it's some of it's political. For sure, right? <laughs> it's it, it, all political. It's interesting that some of the districts they've chosen have been districts where there are Republican city council That's members. not interesting. That's not interesting. It's also not coincidence. That's what they're doing, right? I mean, Rockland County, that area, uh, by me, out Fort Tilden, they're purposely sending these people to Republican communities. Now, I did see the Siena poll this morning on Kathy Hochul, and it ain't good. Right now, unfavorable, about uh, 47%. Frank Morano, yes, Seagate, Bathgate. So it ain't good. The Governor Hochul favorability rating is slipping in a big way, in a big way. And it goes back to stuff like this. What other schools do you have there, Noah? Well, so, by the way, so the parents at PS 188 in Coney Island, they ask a great question. Why us? Why not Park Slope? Right? Because the parents of Park Slope wouldn't put up with it. That's what they said. Of say. course. So they, they're all Democrats. In Park Slope, they're, um, I guess, uh, some of those folks are still yippies, I guess. I don't know. But they wouldn't put up with it. A PS 17 Williamsburg, and then a former school in the uh, Clifton section of Staten Island. There's no students in that school anymore, so they'll put like 300 adults there. But that I saw that, in fact, that's, uh, really the main reason why I'm having Staten Island Borough President Vito Posella join us at 925 this morning to talk about that, plus this other case about this 14 year old kid who uh, didn't do the stabbing but was involved in a violent crime. And I guess the judge or the jury decided he can skate because they felt like Vito and Nicole Maliotakis were making it more about political reform than the actual crime. But uh, I am going to talk to Vito about that specific school, known coming up at 925. And then uh, PS-172, Sunset Park, and PS-189 in Crown Heights, they were... They were there looking at the schools over the last couple of days to see if they could take migrants on there as well. But if you watch this, nobody gets any warning in Sid. So you see the outer boroughs, um, the counties like Rockland and um, and Westchester hasn't taken any migrants on, but Rockland and Orange counties, uh, they send the people there, and the lawmakers there don't seem to, need to know anything about it. You had Mike Spano in Yonkers yesterday saying, hey, you know what? We do have space for the migrants, but how about giving us a heads up yeah. before you send a bus to yeah. a Ramada in there? And all of a sudden, <laughs> these buses show up. Nobody knew they were coming. 
You know, we got to get uh, Vicky Palladino on the show. I've got to give Curtis Slee all the credit in the world because Curtis was the guy who broke the Fort Tilden story with uh, me yesterday because he knows, of course, I live right there in Bell Harbor by Rockaway, in Rockaway. So he couldn't wait to tell me they're coming to a Fort Tilden. You too, Lewis. But I know Vicky Palladino, my friend Lynn, confirms this. She's uh, she's fighting this. So, uh, Justin, book Vicky Palladino. And if you're Mike Sullivan, my dear friend Mike Sullivan, all the Sullivan boys, Tom Sullivan, Great American, uh, Brian lives in Bell Harbor, but Danny Sullivan, all the Sullivan boys that live in Breezy Point. That is basically Sullivan Point. Breezy Point is Sullivan Point. Get ready for the uh, these illegals to be walking up and down your beaches come this summer. I mean, I don't know what the hell is going on here. Can you, can you just, you know, that spot, it's wide open. And then when the weather gets nice in summer, it's everybody's parking in those lots. And could just imagine how crazy that's going to be. No. <laughs> just a mess. Well, what is going on here? And, and Palladino, I don't think, is going to have a lot of say because these are federal facilities. Wait a second. Don't you ever minimize what my friend Vicky who I've only talked to once my whole life. Right. But my friend Vicky, what she can and can't do. I'm not suggesting that she can't do something. I'm just saying it's going to be very difficult for her to stop it because they're federal facilities. She has no governance. Nobody can stop anything. I mean, Ed Day, with all of his tough talk, I'm going to strangle Eric Adams. I'm going to leave him for dead on the side of the road. Guess what? Some of those illegals are up. Well, actually, wait a second. They did not go to Rockland County, did they? Uh, they did not. So right? far, he's been able to stop Yes. Them. Ed Day's the man. That's what you got to do. You got to threaten physical violence, right? He's got a court order, and they're they're nowhere near that hotel just yet. I guess, right? No, but in Orange County, where Steve Newhouse, the county executive there, said he would stop the buses. The buses have rolled into Orange County. Well, maybe Steve Newhouse is just um, I don't know, not good at his job. Well, he, and he was. If you listen to the sound, I don't know Steve, Steve Newhouse. Steve like. Newhouse, it's a lot softer. Like he's just yeah. a softer guy. There, he's a day. wussy boy. He's a wussy. <laughs> He'll put, put, put it, put it, Steve Newhouse. Can't get that job done. <laughs> he's just a soft. He's just a yeah. soft guy. You Ed know? Day is like I'm gonna I'm gonna kill you and everybody. Oh, Ed Day's like a. He, that's getting yeah. it done. Ed Day's on the goon squad. Man. Damn right. <laughs> that's why. That's why none of our soldiers died in Afghanistan because President Trump said, "Hey, uh, you, you're one of the Taliban leaders, right? See this red dot on this map? That's where your wiping kids live. You break one American fingernail, I'll blow them all up. Oh my God, that is horrible. Yeah. In the meantime, no body bags. Joe Biden takes over, 13 dead. That's where you got to work, man. You know, the mob gets what they want for a reason. They're not bad guys, but they're going to kill you. And government needs to operate the same exact way. You agree, Noam? Uh, yes. Oh, you're such a wussy. Hey, listen, you're Benjamin you Steve Newhouse. Yeah, same thing. Uh, we're we're going to go live to Alaska. <laughs> Don't be a Newhouse. Talk to uh, Sarah Palin, plus traffic with Joe Nolan coming up next. But right now it's time for the 77 WABC minicast clip of the day. Good job, Noam. Thank you. Everything you need to know in under 10 New York minutes, download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Then get the uh, max out of mini. How about that? Get the max out of mini. Today's minicast is from the other side of midnight with Frank Morano, who, by the way, got an 11 in the month of April. Congratulations, Frank. Here he talks. Oh, this guy. Hey, they. With uh, attorney Jeff Lickman. 
Explain to folks uh, what he's charged with and how you think this case looks from a legal perspective, not necessarily a moral or an ethical one. Well, he's charged with uh, manslaughter in the second degree, and that allegation is that he recklessly caused the death of Jordan Neely. And what that means is that in recklessness, um, he acted in a way that he was aware that there was a substantial and unjustifiable risk that his chokehold would uh, end in the death of Jordan Neely. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update. Sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Spoilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They are the world's best built boilers. We'll start with Diamond here. The Yankees, they got back in the win column with a 7-4 series opening win over the division rival Blue Jays in Toronto last night. And ever since uh, Captain Aaron Judge has returned to the lineup, the offensive production out of the Bombers, it's gone way up, which is a pretty easy observation to make when it's Judge himself providing much of the offense like he did last night with his two dingers on the night. Willie Calhoun would add a two-run homer as well. Hey, now. Whoa, hey. While Anthony Rizzo and Kyle Gashioka would also drive in runs for the Yankees as they grab their 6-W in their last eight contests. They'll try and build on that stack come to uh, game two of their Toronto series tonight at 7.07 p.m. Eastern time. Domingo Herman gets a start going against Toronto's Kevin Gaussman. As for the Mets, they got beat up on by the Nationals in Washington, losing 10-3 in the four-game series finale to register a series split, as has been the case with the youngster David Peterson on the mound this season. He was incompetent once again, yielding six earned runs over five innings pitch. The Mets will try and bounce back tonight at 7.10 when they open up a series at home against the Tampa Bay Rays. Justin Verlander gets a ball against Tampa's Jalen Beeks on the ice. Dallas beats Seattle 2-1 in Game 7 to move on in the, into the Western Conference Finals against Vegas at that series, along with the Eastern Conference Final, set to get underway on the back end of this week. And tonight on the hardwood, the Los Angeles Lakers and the Denver Nuggets will open up the Western Conference Finals. That's uh, Game 1 tip-off set for 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time tonight. Your sports sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Spoilers. Go to PeerlessSpoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com. Find a dealer near you. They are the world's best built boilers. And I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Who cares? Duguay singing this to Sarah Palin on a romantic night in Jacksonville, Florida. <laughs> was somewhere out in Alaska. So I reached out to uh, the lovely Sarah Palin, who's one of my favorite people. And I said, listen, can you come on in the morning? She said, the earlier the better. I said, but Sarah, you guys are four hours behind. She said, 640 is perfect. I said, 
But 6.40 is 2.40 a.m. where you are. And she said, well, this time of year, it doesn't get dark out. What a weird place. It's light out all day, every day. So we don't really sleep. I said, well, that's very, very sweet. So here she is, 2.49 a.m., Alaska time, the great Sarah Palin. Now, was that true, Sarah, you guys, when it's light out all day this time of year, a lot of you guys just don't sleep? Yeah, it, but it's not 24-7 light right now. If you're up in Barrow, Alaska, you know, the sun doesn't set for 90 days. So it's, it's light up there all the time starting now. But, um, you know, we, we have a little bit of darkness. It probably screws up our circadian rhythm really bad. But uh, <laughs> when you grow up here, you're used to it. And I don't know. I guess I can attribute some characteristic flaws in me because of that. I would actually I would actually say not flaws. I would say some qualities. How many hours a day right now in your neighborhood is it dark? Oh, it's, it's only dark about, um, let's see, midnight until... Well, the sun will start coming up here real shortly. So, you know, just a few hours. Wow. So let me ask. I love it. I love it. We can work around the clock that way. You do like that because I got to tell you, I can't sleep if it's light out. Now, again, like you said, you're used to it. I'm not. In New York, I know that half the day is dark, half the day is light. And as soon as the light comes in in the morning, Sarah, even on the weekends, I wake up automatically. I can't sleep. But you're used to it. Too. No, I don't even. No, I don't even have curtains. So, <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's light all the time. But you know what? We, we have to. It, it makes up for that long dark winter that we're you know, just coming out of. Because again, take Barrow, Alaska. The sun doesn't rise for ninety days. Oh my god, that would suck. I'm glad I don't live that far north. Yeah. 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 How, how do you How do you do that? I want to get to the politics, obviously, in your career. But um, like the winters, like you said, are so long and so cold. And so snowy. You don't like Miami? You don't long for the beaches of the Bahamas? No? Uh, The the older I get, the more I say, okay, there's something to be said for good weather. Because uh, (laughs) I I don't remember these long, cold winters until the last few years. It's like, dang. I I don't know how my parents have done it all these years. Jeez. No, I know. That's snowbird. I didn't. I don't like the cold weather either. And uh, I lived in Florida for a long time. Billy Joel actually moved to Florida not that long ago too. And and of course, there's a lot of reasons why. Not just the beautiful weather, but no state tax. Ron DeSantis, all those good things in the state of Florida, which does bring me to the Donald Trump conversation. Donald loves you, and he endorses you every time. And both you and Ronnie were so excited when I had Donald Trump on this show last Thursday. And Man, Sarah, he's killing everybody. He's killing uh, DeSantis in the primary polls. He's now beating Biden pretty easily in the uh, general election polls. It looks like he's on a collision course to get back with the presidency in 2024. What are your thoughts right now, Sarah Palin, on Donald Trump? So he's, he's unleashed, and this is exactly what our country needs. We need someone with the guts, with the balls, to get out there and do what has to be done to get our country back. Look what is going on, Sid, in some of these areas in New York with the, gosh, our troops, our, our veterans being literally kicked, kicked to the curb, kicked out of hotels so that illegal aliens can take precedence and uh, receive benefits from our country and our own, um, our own vets are uh, just being dismissed. He's going to tackle things like that. He's committed to it because nobody owns him. 
He doesn't owe anybody anything. He's going to do the will of the people. And an issue like that that I just gave as an example, that's a simple one. That, that you know, that that's the vast, vast majority of Americans would support our president um, undoing the policies that have opened up the borders, which uh, results in really not even having a country if we don't have borders. No, there's no doubt about that. He has said that time and time again. And you mentioned New York. I live right in the thick of it here, Sarah, right in New York City. And and it is it's brutal. I mean, they're using like you talked about, they've kicked out vets. They're using school gymnasiums where little kids, Sarah, go to have recess to store these illegals, not migrants, illegals. Uh, Los Angeles, California has basically been ruined. A lot of my acting friends, they've left and gone to Florida this is a major, major issue, and I don't know how Joe Biden can just get away with this. I mean, this administration is literally, Sarah Palin, destroying our country. It literally, and, and you know, it, growing, in school, we learn the definition of, of treason. And I say, gosh, if what they're doing to America today, if that's not treasonous, where they're aiding and abetting even, and not just talking about illegal aliens, but look over overseas at what we're doing. Enemies, they're actually aiding and abetting enemies while they're letting Americans take um, the back seat on everything. And no, it is, it's purposeful. It, it's destruction of our country, Sid. And Barack Obama promised that he, they would do this. He, he said just a few days before uh, the election in 2008, he said, hey, we're just a few days away from fundamentally transforming America. You only fundamentally transform something for which you have disdain and you want to destroy it and build it up into something completely different. So we saw, we were warned, and um, I think it's taken people aback, though, to see how rapidly things have changed and the trajectory that we're on that is, yes, rapid decline. So all the more reason that we get good people elected and that we make sure we have election integrity. Now, we did not have election integrity back in 2016, 2020. Um, too many shenanigans were going on, including, you know, we, we heard yesterday the Durham report pretty much illustrated what was going on with Hillary Clinton and others rigging the election yep. via the court of public opinion swaying people's mind by falsehoods. Well said. And, you know, uh, I am uh, a big Trump supporter, so are you, but I've got friends who have been friends with Donald Trump over the years, Sarah, like literally friends, and love his policies, but they're done with him. And one of those is a dear, dear, dear friend. I mean, it's close to me as you can get. He's going to join me in about 45 minutes, Bo Deedle. And one of Bo's major issues with Donald Trump, uh, Sarah, is that he's never apologized for what he said about John McCain. I know this is an old story. You probably answered this a billion times. But think of this as a new audience, New York City. You were John McCain's choice for vice president. You were on the ticket with John McCain. Yet, yet, you still love Donald Trump. Clearly, you forgave Trump by what he said about John McCain. Yes? Yeah, I did. I, I didn't like that... Anybody says anything derogatory about a POW, especially, I, I, I didn't like that. There were other things, you know, that I'm sure we've disagreed on. But, you know, I'm looking bigger picture. I am looking at America's sovereignty and our solvency. And we are lost if we don't have somebody to get in there and 
drain the swamp, as has been promised, because the Uniparty, and that includes some Republican leadership, uh, they're going along to get along, and look what that is getting us. Now, as for Bo, you know what we need to do, Sid? We just need to sit down with President Trump, you, me, Bo, and we need to <laughs> And then it, it'll be, we'll he'll understand, then Bo will understand. We'll do it. We'll go to Rayo's, we'll take uh, Ronnie, we'll go to Rayo's, we'll, we'll have a great yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. You know, I do want to ask you yeah, about... And, and, and yeah, go ahead. President Trump, he'll, President Trump, he'll drink his Diet Coke, and <laughs> Ron can have a margarita, and... Right. Yeah, whatever you have. Exactly. So I do want to ask you about your career. You know, you ran a couple of times uh, last year, obviously, and, you know, you uh, yeah. you did great by the state of Alaska. I thought you were a great choice for vice president. I was one of those folks who fell in love with you when you hit the national scene with John McCain way back when. What does your political future look like? Are you ready to wrap it up and just move on to other stuff, or what are you thinking? Oh, heck no. I'm going to stay involved. You know, I, I feel like it's in my DNA to serve, and uh, that's what I want to do. Now, up here in Alaska, yeah, running for Congress last year, um, I won the the first round of voting. I received more votes than the other 50 candidates who were in there. But with this new ranked choice voting, which is a peculiar way of rigging elections now, <laughs> where it's not one man, one vote, um, uh, all my victory did was allow us a first step in a process of elimination until however many votes later were taken, it came down to Republicans splitting the vote and only one Democrat in the race. So she, she didn't get the majority of votes, but um, she, she won because she had more second and third place votes than, than I did. And it's weird, but you know, that ranked choice voting, don't let that happen in New York or no common sense constitutional conservative will ever be elected because we play fair. We don't fight hard enough either, by the way, but we play fair, whereas the Democrats like what they did in Alaska. Illegally, our Supreme Court just ruled on it, Alaska's Supreme Court. Uh, They had uh, Democrats, the top vote-getter in the Democrat Party, drop out of the race at the very last minute so that nobody else could jump in there so that there would only be one uh, one Democrat running, so there would be no vote split. And that's how the Democrat is representing Alaska now. So uh, because they did away with primary elections, too, so it's a jungle uh, it's a jungle election. And it's it's crazy and it's convoluted and complicated, and don't let it happen. New York's got <laughs> enough challenges. You don't want ranked choice voting. <laughs> we really do. So in the final 60 seconds, uh, first of all, I hope you enjoyed your Mother's Day. You're a great mom. You're a hockey mom. And uh, your boyfriend is a former New York Ranger. Great Rangers are done, obviously. But the Florida Panthers, my buddy Vinny Biola's hockey team, they're alive. They're in the Eastern Conference Finals. They take on Carolina. And Ronnie does live in Jacksonville. I know it's northern Florida, but it is Florida. Mm -hmm. So is Palin and Duguay, are they right now Florida Panther fans? (laughs) Well, I I am. But, you know, I have two daughters who live in Texas. So now, oh, my gosh, Dallas Stars now I'm looking at. And I see, like, um, uh, Dolly and others who are are supporting the Dallas Stars. I'm like, man, okay, now that's another. I don't know. I love the sport so much that, um, gosh, I just love really good games, and I love overtimes, and I love uh, game (laughs) sevens. And it's just a sport. 
in general, I, I it's my favorite. Yeah, no, it's a great sport, and uh, especially this time of year, it's my favorite too. Playoff hockey, Stanley Cup hockey, there's nothing like it. So listen, I can't thank you enough. It's uh, just now three o'clock in the morning in Alaska, and uh, for you to do this, Sarah, you and Ronnie, I love you both. You're really terrific, and I hope you do get back in the game. Keep talking on behalf of Donald Trump, and keep coming back on this show. You're a Sid fave, uh, Sarah Palin. Thank you so much. Thank you, and when you get up here, and I hope you'll come up here to fish or something, come up on June 21st, because that's, that's the summer solstice where the sun doesn't go down. And it, it's freaky, it's dynamic, but it's awesome, too. So that day is 24-hour sunlight. Yeah. All right? That's I'll, the peak. I'll see you on yeah. June 21st. <laughs> I'll have the bait and tackle waiting for you. I'm excited. I can't wait. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care. There she is. Take care. The great Sarah Palin out of Alaska. She's a great lady. She really is. June 21, light out for 24 hours, which means the Sid and Friends in the Morning Show will come live to you from Fairbanks for two days. You ready to do it, Lou? You want to go? I want when it's all dark. Let me tell you something, folks. Ain't no illegals there. Nobody wants to go to Alaska. Nobody. <laughs> we'll come back with our number two right after this. And me forever. WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Springsteen songs, prove it all night. Christopher Mandor Russo is the greatest sports talk show host ever. Right now he's on fire. Mad Dog Unleashed, Sirius XM every weekday afternoon. He's got a tremendous TV show, his baseball show, High Heat, on the MLB Network. And he's basically saved Stephen A. Smith's career. I know Smith gets $10 million, but Dog really makes that segment really entertaining. He's the best. And he's a friend of mine for a long time. I'm proud to have him on. Here he is, my good buddy, Christopher Mad Dog Russo. Good morning, dog. Sydney, good morning. How are you today? Everything good? Everything is great. It's a bright, sunny day. You know, I kind of joked around during the sports update, Chris. Fire Showalter. This is one of the things I don't miss about sports talk radio. Those types of calls. 42 games in, fire the manager. Can we trade Joe McEwing for uh, Greg Maddox? These are some of the things I don't miss, you know. But seriously, uh, 42 games in, and you said this. You said, look. Just a couple of months ago, I don't believe the Mets and or the Yankees got any better during the offseason. It looks like, in the Met case, they've gotten worse. Well, the biggest issue with the Mets, and Glory's pleasure to be honest, it, I just came back from Europe, too. So I was in uh, Austria and Germany and go to Salzburg if you ever get a chance. Oh, but wow. The, yeah, great spot. Gorgeous. Uh, Mozart, Mozart born there, sound of music, the whole bit. But 
the, the, the Mets situation, they got older pitchers. I mean, the idea is to make sure they're healthy in October, so maybe right now it doesn't make any difference. And last year, the Mets, you know, with the Braves, didn't really get them anything. They lose the division, and they get knocked out by the Padres, kind of ran out of gas. So maybe this, at the end of the day, is not that big a deal because it's how you play into the, se- into the postseason. That's most important. But you got to be very worried about the Mets starting. I mean, I've seen enough of Peterson. All right? I mean, he's, he stinks. ADRA, I don't need to see him anymore. I mean, obviously, Scherzer and Verlander, one's 38, the other's 40, making a fortune. I mean, are these guys going to be able to give the Mets enough in the regular season, 160, 180 innings, and then have something left come October? Your guess is as good as mine. I would say no. Tenga, the biggest start he had as the Met was the other day against Cincinnati. They gave him $80 million and he and he spit the bit, couldn't get out of the first inning against the Reds, gave up five runs, huge game. And the Mets, of course, can't beat these bad teams. Rockies, Reds, Nationals. I mean, it, it, it's very disconcerting. Their lineup isn't great. They got a couple of fourth outfielders. Kana, who's a fourth outfielder on a real good team. You know, Marte is a decent player. He's not as good as they think he is. I mean, that's got some issues. And Atlanta's a much better team. And the Mets are not going to win the division. And they can't beat the Braves anyway. Um, listen, I, could they be a wild card team? They should be. The National League stinks. I mean, you know, the Padres are awful. I mean, the Phillies have been bad. I mean, you tell me what they give me a good National League team. So they should make the postseason, and then all bets are off if those Scherzer and Verlander are raring to go. But right now, if you're a Mets fan, you got problems. They're not as good as they were last year. It's not Bucks fault. He's a great manager. Uh, I think the owner, I don't know what he's doing behind the scenes, but publicly he doesn't say anything, which is a good sign. But the Mets got some issues. You're a th- and so do the Yankees, although I give the Yankees a little break. They played well against Tampa, and obviously they don't have two pitchers. And, you know, we'll see one of them this weekend. Uh, no Stanton, who's never never plays anyway, but, I mean, no Stanton. So the Yankees are on hold. I'll give them a little break. I think they'll be in the postseason too. But the Mets, the question was with you with New York, and they're in trouble. You're 100% right. Now, I'm not sure they're going to be a postseason team again. You know, like you said, they're not going to beat the Braves. Braves 11 over, Mets 2 under. The Padres, that is shocking to me, too. San Diego, my buddy Scott Kaplan works there. They had the same, I guess, uh, expectations as the Mets. And ironically, they've got the identical record after 42 games of 20 wins and 22 losses. How does a team with that Padre lineup have that record? The Dodgers look like they're going to win the NL West again. How does San Diego have that record? All right, good point. Well, you know, remember, two years ago, everybody loved them. And they were terrible. And they had a bad year, got the manager fired. Last year, they didn't win 90 games, but, you know, they had a good two rounds in the postseason, which salvaged their year beating the Mets. Then they beat L.A., which they love. And, you know, there's a lot of pressure on that franchise. And the one thing about the, one thing about the team like San Diego, you got bullseye on your back. You know, the Sotos, the Tatises, the Machados, the Bogarts. You got a lot of pressure on you. as a, Every team knows that you've got a $350 million payroll, and they're going to be up to play. And, you know, they just lost five out of six to the Dodgers. And, you know, I wonder if that group, never been together, never been through the tough times, I wonder if they have it in them, in their gut, mm. to fight, to yep. be gritty, mm. to win the game that you got to win to turn around a season, to uh, start a, a winning streak. And I have not seen that from the Padres in the regular season forever. Let's see if we see it now. But I'm with you on them. Mets and the Padres are very similar. Big payrolls, a lot of expectations. Um, you know, both in divisions where they are nemesis, Atlanta and the Dodgers, and both about the same. You hit the two teams that are very troubling in the, Amer- in the National League. Chris, right. Chris Russo here. The AL East, what a division. The Red Sox are 22-22 and 22 over. 
They're in dead last. The Yankees, five over, two more home runs for Judge. He did miss 10 games uh, last night. You got a Tampa Bay team that's 20 games over 500, a very good young Baltimore team, 11 games over 500. Now, the Rays started the season, Doggy, as we know, 13-0. and Since then, still pretty good, 18-11, and to get to 31-11. and That's where they are right now. I don't know if I've ever seen a manager do more with less. I mean this. In my 56 years on this planet, every year than Kevin Cash. That guy amazes me. Yeah, he's done a heck of a job. they got a very good bullpen most of the time. Uh, you know, they're resourceful. Their front office does a great job. I don't love Cash in big games and postseason play. Uh, the Snell scenario there against the Dodgers in the pandemic when he took them out with a, you know, sixth inning with a one nothing shutout. So I think sometimes he manages the same way in the postseason as he does in the regular season. Very few innings by his starting rotation. Go find his bullpen guy, blah, blah, blah. And I think that wears his team out some. And then it, the constant search for the one guy who doesn't have it. And then you lose games that way. And you can't do that in postseason play. But you're 1,000% right. The one thing I'd say about Tampa, they had a very easy schedule to start the year. They started the year with the Tigers, the Nationals, and the A's. I mean, geez, no wonder he won nine straight. And, you know, and, and since then, you know, they played the Reds and they played the Pirates. But, but since then, they've been a little spottier. Lost a series in Toronto, lost a series in Baltimore. Uh, did not, you know, they won four out of seven against the Yankees, but, and which is respectable. Put a little stamp on the regular season start. But still, they showed some warts there. So I'd be a little bit careful about Tampa. I think they're a little... Uh, I think they're a little product of schedule and maybe not quite as good, a little puffed up, not quite as good. But, you know, they're going to be in the playoffs. There's no question about that. Three teams, you know, that's no, only one team in the American League Central. Um, and there might be a second team in the American League West, but probably three teams from the division will get in. One of them won't be the Red Sox. So, you know, from that standpoint, it's a hell of a division. Uh, and it's fun. And, you know, I also like the balanced schedule. I didn't think I would. Uh, Sydney, but I do like it. I don't think you need to play 19 games against teams in your division. I think baseball did that right. I think 12, 13 games against teams in your division is better. We get a chance to see everybody. It helps for the wild card. Everybody plays basically the same schedule. And baseball has had a good start because the pitch clock has been great. Games are shorter, more running, the banning of the shift. Manfred had a very, very good offseason, and he deserves some credit. He always gets pounded. He deserves a little credit. You know, I don't know if baseball is ever going to you know, this time of the year, there's a lot of other things going on. And baseball, it's, it's, a, it's, this is not 1955 anymore. <laughs> so I, I don't, it, it, it's, a, it's kind of a weird sport for the young generation. Yeah. But baseball's had a pretty good, uh, off season. I and agree with you. Well, here to start the year. I agree. Texas Rangers, fun team to watch too. When you happen to pick the one year, 1955, when my Brooklyn Dodgers, even though I was born in 67, that was the one year they beat the Yankees. Hey, uh, Chris, uh, about two minutes ago, I want to talk NBA with you. As long as I'm alive, Michael Jordan will always be the best, and that's never going to change. But LeBron, I have to say, does make it at least an interesting conversation. If the Lakers get by the Nuggets and beat Boston or Miami and win the NBA Finals, for Christopher Russo, what does that do for LeBron James' legacy? Well, he's probably going to be second at the end of the day. You're right. He's never going to be better than Jordan. That's just all there is to it. I'm with you, too, on that. Uh, but, you know, he certainly very well could be. You know, you got Kareem in there. You know, everybody likes to forget about Kareem. You know, he won five championships and scored 35,000 points. I mean, you know, Kareem's got a uh, – and, you know, played 30 years. So you, let's not forget him either. But 
probably, um, you know, you're going to have to put them too. Now, I think Denver might beat them. I know the world wants the Lakers and the Celtics. And I heard you there a little bit ago. I do think the Celtics will beat Miami. Um, you know, they're erratic, Boston, but they'll figure out a way with home court. Uh, no hero like he had last year, so that makes Miami a little worse. I think Boston will end up beating them. Probably be a long series. I wouldn't be surprised they won seven games, but I think they will win. Uh, and I, I, Denver series is a tricky series to call. I thought Golden State would beat the Lakers. I was dead wrong. Um, I thought the Lakers could beat Memphis, but I, I thought Golden State would win, and I didn't read that one right. Uh, you know, and Denver Phoenix is a joke. We all know that. So I mean, nobody can. Uh, just no guts. So I don't know what I should do with Denver from that standpoint. I'll pick Denver and the Celtics. Uh, um, you know, here's the key for the Lakers. Now, they play game one tonight. So far, the Lakers win that first game, and then they win the home games. They won game one in Golden State, won three home games. Won game one in Memphis, won three home games. So this game one tonight is important. I don't know, um, you know, I, if, even if they won the three home games, you know, if they're down 2-0, I don't know. They, they're older. Somebody has a, you know, Anthony Davis. He's, you know, I want, at times he's a little up and down with his health. They need to get to one of these first two, and preferably tonight. So I think we're all a little more tonight. But I'll take Denver and Boston in the NBA Finals. You know, 60 seconds, you mentioned the Lakers got by Memphis. And, you know, I grew up in a very tough era. So did you, Chris. Guys out partying. One of my best friends is LT. He did more coke than you can make 10 uh, Scarface movies. But this kid, John Morant, he's either really stupid, really stupid, or he just can't figure it out. I mean, he gets suspended for the guns, guns, and then he does it again. And if I found out today the NBA would not allow this kid to ever play again, it wouldn't bother me even a little. How stupid is this kid? Well, not only that, give the NBA grief. I mean, he was in rehab for, what, 90 hours? I mean, geez, really? <laughs> the first time? <laughs> and then throwing the fact that the NBA very sort of gave him a five, six, seven-game suspension, whatever it might be. The NBA was very soft with him, and the NBA likes to be above the curve with uh, political correctness and everything else, social issues, and they were soft with Morant. He should not play for a half a year, minimum. I don't want to see him. Um, you know, I don't want to see the kid. For stupidity alone, I don't want to see the kid. Let's see what Silva does. Let's see. I know they got to work with the Players Association and all that nonsense. You know, there's always a polit- uh, political negotiation that goes on. But he, he should not play for a long period of time. Dumb is one of the – and that's a good point. Stupidity. But, I mean, the NBA likes to put themselves on this social justice and we do the things the proper way level which obviously was compromised in my eyes by them hanging out in China for so long. Right. But let's see them Let's see them figure out a way to say, hey, listen, you know, we take this seriously. We look bad the first time. You make us look bad now because you don't pay attention to this. We'll see in January. Let's see the NBA have the guts to do that. Uh, that's a great call. That is a great call. Listen, I'm glad uh, you enjoyed Europe. My, my daughter, Ava, goes to school in Wales, so we go to London and Cardiff quite a bit. Uh, Danielle, in fact, ran the... We ran the marathon in Berlin uh, just two years ago. So glad you enjoyed Austria and that great trip. Glad you're back here. Glad you were on this morning. I love you to pieces, Chris Russo. That's a great job. Thank you so much. We love you, Sid. Keep in touch, pal. Appreciate Thank you. Me on. Oh, okay. You got it. What a great job, everybody. Christopher Mad Dog Russo, once again, the greatest sports talk host in the history of our medium. And he continues to be with a Sirius XM show, a TV baseball show, And, of course, the great work he does alongside Stephen A. Smith on ESPN. Take a short break. Lots more to do. Palin and Russo, four more big guests about to come your way. Come on.
Friends in the morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Boatito coming up next. Before I get to Bo, Danielle ran the New York City Marathon last year, one of her 39, mind you. And uh, we went to the Jacob Javits Center because they've got that cool expo. And one of the first people I saw at the Javits Center is a guy named Tom Biggers. And Tom happens to be the president of the NYPD Running Club, right? Cops who run all these marathons and races. So it just turns out this is perfect right before Bo Deedle. This week, uh, yesterday was Police Officers Memorial Day. That was yesterday. But the whole week, they dedicate to the memory of officers killed in the line of duty. And that brings them to the 21st annual NYPD Memorial 5K run, which I believe is this weekend. They want Danielle to run it. I'll ask her. With that said, here he is, NYPD finest and a terrific guy, my friend Tom Biggers, Tom, good morning, buddy. How are you? Hey, good morning, Sid. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. You started your text to me with, good morning, Sid, the greatest supporter of the police. <laughs> and uh, I'm honored. I'm humbled you said that. My boss, John, and Margot Katsimatidis, they're right there with me. But I'm glad you feel that way because it is true. I do love you guys and, and I fight for you guys all the time in a city that has stopped fighting for you guys. But tell me about this really important run, and really the whole week in memory of all these great officers. Sure, thank you. Well, once again, thank you for being such a great supporter of us. I mean, we need people like you, and and we know that we have a great uh, support in the community, but, you know, it's just great to hear it from people like yourself. Thank you. And keep up the great work with that. Um, Yeah, so, you know, this Sunday is the 21st annual NYPD Memorial 5K run, and, of course, unfortunately, we go out to – honor too many people that we lost um, there's a beautiful memorial wall at the uh on the water's edge at liberty street and um uh, the west side and i was actually right i was after. i was just there two weeks ago with commissioner shul and my friend from the dea uh the giacomo and all those folks they added 77 more names to the wall this year which was very very sad but i was there for that uh ceremony just two weeks ago right that's correct so on Sunday, we actually run a 5K run, and what we do is we have a system where anyone who's running our race has the ability to personalize their running bib. So while they're registering, they could select one of the names that's on the wall. Wow. Unfortunately, we're up to about 1,100 names of officers that have been killed in the line of duty, uh, dating all the way back to 1854. And uh, those people that they... They personalize their bib. We'll have people coming out, the families, the partners, and uh, they'll be able to have a bib that says I'm running or I'm walking in memory of my dad or my partner, you know, and then the officer's name. So it's it's a beautiful family event. uh, It starts at 1013 right on the West Side Highway in Liberty Street, and 1013 is a radio call signal for officer needs help. So that's, you know, we – we will never forget these officers, and it's a, it's a great tribute to them, and it's a beautiful day, and we'd love people to come out. 
Um, our website is nypdmemorialrun.com, and uh, people could sign up still. They could still sign up the day of the race, or they could just go on and check out the website, make a donation. And we do, we do give many of the, much of the proceeds to COPS, which is Concerns of Police Survivors. And that's a beautiful group that supports law enforcement officers' families. Wow, what a great day. I actually, there are big buildings right by the start of your race on Sunday. It's called Gateway. That's where I live right now, temporarily, literally on the same block as we're going to start the race on Sunday. So you're going to see me on Sunday. Hopefully, Danielle can run. But one more time, Tom Biggers, you do such a great job for the cops and the community, for people who want to get involved or donate. One more time, give them the information, please. Sure. They can go to nypdmemorialrun.com. And please come out and support the event. We love you guys. Tom, you're the absolute best. You're going to have a huge turnout on Sunday. It's supposed to be a gorgeous day, too, which is great news. And I'll see you out there. And what can I say? Keep talking. Keep running. Thank you for your service. Uh, The Rosenbergs love you, Tom. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sid. And thank John and all the people at WABC. You got it, John and Margo. Also love the police. Tom Biggers, folks, the NYPD Memorial Run coming up this Sunday. It's a 5K right outside my apartment on Liberty Street by Brookfield Place. Going to be a gorgeous day. Check it out. So we go from Tom Biggers, one great cop, to an all-time great cop, Bo Deedle. WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Tom Biggers, big NYPD 5K run coming up on Sunday, commemorating and uh, honoring the lives of officers we've lost along the way. Thank God we didn't lose this guy, but for the better part of two decades, he distinguished himself as one of the greatest police officers in the history of New York City. And that is not hyperbole. That is the truth. Got out to become a tremendous actor. Movies like The Irishman, uh, Wolf of Wall Street, Goodfellas. And TV shows, amazing, Godfather of Harlem and Gravesend. And most importantly, he's the most loyal and dear friend you can ever, ever have. And he's my guy, Bo Deedle. Bo, on twice a week in Studio 905 every Thursday morning and right here again, 740 every Tuesday morning. Good morning, Bo. Good morning, good morning, good morning. But, you know, you really screwed me up this morning. You made me put on... New York want to see the, the mayor there. <laughs> Put it on there, yeah. and I almost threw up. This Jamie Seltzer there, I'm dropping off a tube of toothpaste so she could brush her gray teeth. You know, I looked into it a little bit. Her fat husband, remember Brian Seltzer? Yes, I mentioned that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So basically, he got fired. You know why? He fought it on air. So I could see this new show on New York One. How about this? The Fat Man and Green Tea. That'll be the new show. All right. Off that nonsense. Okay, listen. But if you hold on, if you watch the mayor, because I haven't heard his comments yet, he was talking specifically 
about ending right to shelter and also about putting yeah. these these illegal stop at the migrants these illegals in gymnasiums and public schools across the town. What the hell was his excuse for that? It's awful. I, I don't know. I don't know. This is we're going into a cesspool. But I got to talk about the important thing that police officer was talking about. That's called NAPO. It's the National Police Organization. Last week of day, where all these officers were honored in Washington D.C. The ones I want to talk about were two brothers. One was an NYPD cop detective, and his brother was a was a uh, Yonkers PD. It just happens they've taken on the worst, worst scumbags that are out there, Brian and James Menton. Um, Brian was a Yonkers PD. He was one week away from retirement. They converge on these scumbags with loaded guns. All of a sudden, the worst happens. James Menton, the NYPD, sees his brother get shot in the, in the stomach there and uh, by these scumbags. They end up shooting a piece of garbage, no trial, no jail. He dies. The, the credent dies. They rush him to the hospital, and all of a sudden, uh, Brian was shot, and he still deals with the injuries. But these are, these are real heroes out there every day. These are our cops, and we love them, love them, love them for what they do for us. And that brings me, you know what we're talking, you know what, we talk about it all the time, about the crime. How bad is crime out there? I, you know, I do the security at the Javits centers and all that. One of the fellows over there, my friend Phil, one of the supervisors, tells me a story that I don't remember. His wife and his 17-year-old daughter were opening a bank account up in the Bronx over there by the Grand Concourse. And then all of a sudden, there's a piece of garbage he didn't like. He had to wait online. He's acting crazy, screaming, yelling. And I'm going to cut to the chase on this thing. This is up by Fordham Road Grand Concourse. The woman with her little daughter, who was 18 years old, she was opening up a checking account for her where she could use a cash card. He follows him out. He screams. Him. He tries to shoot the 18-year-old little girl like the same age as your daughter. Tries to shoot her. The gun jams. He opens up on the mother, and the mother gets shot four times, and a bystander gets hit. And this piece of God, this is going on all the time, but we're not hearing about it. Mm. Hey, Mayor Eric Adams, are you hearing me? This guy had been in jail for about 12, 14 years, convicted felon and all that now all of a sudden he's got a gun. This is what's going on. But well, you know what, Paul? You, know, you, you, you say Mayor Eric Adams and the bail reform stuff. The truth is the mayor has tried. Hochul budged just a little, but he can't get through to the people up in Albany. But here's where the mayor disappointed me. Oh, by the way, I just yeah. heard from our dear friend Joe Esposito, operated yeah. on just a couple of weeks ago, brain tumor. Yep. He's going to come Sunday to the NYPD running event. That's what a great person oh, Joe Esposito is. But, but where Eric Adams disappointed me was... When uh, Daniel Penny, the hero, I'll say it again, the hero Marine, unfortunately killed Jordan Neely, Eric came out. He was the only one. Hochul wanted the Marine to get the death penalty, all these people. Eric was level-headed. He said it right. And since then, he's back to the black and brown nonsense, all that racist stuff I can't stand. He has really disappointed me with that, Bo, the last couple of days. Yeah, I... I understand what's going on with that little punk with the state assembly and that scarf woman with the Senate, but he's got to be yelling every day about it. Now we got a $100,000 bill for this scumbag that shot my friend's wife and all, tried to kill his daughter, and that's the same $100,000 for this great Marine hero, and I just, I just can't believe it. And you want to know something? Right now, we're living in such 
a terrible time in New York City. I fear for everybody. I fear for my kids and my grandchildren. I fear for everybody. Well, when you say a terrible time, Bo, you were a cop during the 70s when everybody said this city couldn't get worse, even worse than when Giuliani took over. Do you feel like right now this is the worst time in your life? Yep, it's the worst time for the fact that right now we can't arrest and put these scumbags in jail. It used to be where we could lock them up in the 70s, and we were out there, and we were locked, and we had support. We had support from the district attorney's office. We had support to lock these greetings up. Now they're riding around. I, I almost got hit again. There's more illegal motorcycles in New York City. They, they go through lights on sidewalk. It's a joke, and they drive right by the cops doing wheelies, and they don't give a crap because no one's stopping these scumbags. And you know what? Quality of life comes down. Mayor Eric Adams, you listening. You listen to shit. I know you do. Please, let's start instructing cops to start going after these. And I'll guarantee you when you pull those motorcycles off and you toss one of those little punks, you're going to come up with a freaking gun. Maybe the next gun that's going to kill somebody. It's all about preventive. It's about acting and taking those guns off the street. Now, Something really good happened in Chicago. You know about right? Oh, don't they, they, they swore in the new mayor yesterday. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mayor Brandon Johnson. And during his inauguration speech on Monday, you know what he compared? He compared the murder of a black, beautiful police officer who was shot dead after she did her midnight. She came home. Adriana Preston, she was shot dead on her way home. And then he compared it to a little scumbag who had a loaded gun, who was shot, that. and he compared them in the same breath. Yeah. And this is this is like crazy. You don't and, and by the way, no, nobody, no, nobody talked about that, that beautiful black Chicago police officer. I personally found out, Bo, believe it or not, on Bernie Carrick's Instagram, he was like, hey, where's the outcry for this heroic lady? Why does anybody care about her, black police officer? Bernie Carrick's Instagram is where I found out about it. But no one's talking about her, Bo Deedle, except for you and Bernie. Well, she was a beautiful, beautiful woman, worked hard. She was coming home for a night shift, and she gets gunned down, and, and no one cares about it. Again, I was on Fox News from 2006. Every night, either Hannity or Riley, good morning, good day, good afternoon, we got gang bosses, <laughs> whatever the hell they had, I was on. Now, every time I would go on, I talked about Chicago. And in Chicago, people have to understand, this didn't just start. I'll take the last 20 years. The last 20 years, there's approximately 8,000 people. 85% of them are black Americans were murdered in Chicago. The problem there is 80% of the murders there are not being cleared, which means that 80% of the people are getting away with murder. Only 20% of the murders are getting captured. And nobody cares. You had friggin' Obama, that phony piece of garbage. He came from Chicago. Why wouldn't he take action if you had to bring in the ATF and the FBI to stop these gang shootings? And that's mostly what it's all about. Nobody cares because nope. it doesn't nope. fit the legal progressive scenario. These are not the ones they want. But those 8,000 human beings, many of them children, shot dead in Chicago. Where is the outrage? No, they don't and want him. I, like you said, they want they want Daniel Penny. They want the uh, yeah, white marine. You got a hero there. Then I watched this Biden the fool at Howard University. I almost jumped out of my TV. I must I must do something through the TV set. All of a sudden, this moron goes. The biggest threat in America <laughs> isn't isn't the surge of illegals through our borders. 
Not the crime where 21,000 was shot dead in 2022. Not every major city crime soaring. Not the weakness of America around the world. We're a joke to Russia and China and now the Middle East. Not inflation. The division of Americans against each other. Not that. We welcome criminals to be free and we turn our backs on victims. Also, how do U.S. attorneys and the FBI are used for their politi- political agendas? Here, you know what the biggest threat he said? This moron, the same old white supremacists. Nonsense. Where are yep. they? But they're out there. <laughs> yeah, this please. is what this moron yeah. says. I mean, it, it, it's such a joke. Well, but, but then, then, then it, bring, it brings us back. You're right. He did say white supremacy. It was insulting. Yeah. Any any American with a half a brain knows he's full of it. It brings us back to the Donald Trump conversation. Now, I know you listen all day, every day. And Sarah right. Palin was kind enough to stay up all night, four hours behind. She joined me at 2.40 a.m. Alaska time this morning. And I mentioned you. And she loves you. She goes, oh, my God, I love both. I said, Bo can't get over the McCain comments from Trump. She right, was going to be McCain's right. VP. She got over it. All right. I'm going to I'm going to make a shocking thing right now. I'm going to make it. Remember last week, caring, change heart and all that. Guy. Yes. If he shuts his big mouth, Donald Trump, shut your mouth, start being warm and loving and considerate and stop being such a narcissist. I could think I could really think about. Uh, moving my line a little bit, a little bit, a little Come bit. on, Bo, baby. Come on, Bo. Come on. But it's a Call very him. important thing. You know, because right now, right now, but he has to shut his mouth. He has to realize one thing. He has to realize every time he opens his mouth and says these stupid comments, people hate him. I don't want people to hate him. I want them to say, wow, his policies are what America needs to turn around. And if if it gets to a point, Donald, where you feel as though you can't win, then you pass the baton to my governor, DeSantis. And I tell you the truth, that might not be a bad idea to think about using him as a running mate. Or that other guy, Sisuami. Remember Sisuami? Uh, you, you, yeah, you like this guy. He was just on Fox Business. His name is Vivek Ramswami. Yes, Vivek Ramaswamy. Vice president. What a smart man. <laughs> now, one more thing. One more thing. Yeah. Oh, how, how do these migrants get on planes? I can't get on a plane without ID. They don't have any ID. They're jumping on. Where? Why isn't the TSA stopping them from getting on planes? And who's paying the $48 million to reopen Roosevelt Hotel? I hope the federal government, because if it's coming out of the city or state, we're going bankrupt. We're going down. That hotel's been closed for three years. Nobody was in there. They don't even have sheets on the bed. They don't care. <laughs> you put Alejandro with his dog and his girlfriend <laughs> and, 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 and his brother in there. They don't really care. Now they're shutting down our gyms, our kids. Our kids want to run around, play a little soccer. They can't because that Julio Alejandro, probably a sex fiend that's sleeping in your friggin' gym. When is this? going to stop. When? 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 Now, one more point. Special counsel, special counsel, John Durham, all of a sudden, he opened up the can of work, but nobody cares. Nope. Nobody cares. The nope. FBI, Justice Department, has been politically using their offices for political reasons. But no! <laughs> God, Bo Deedle. That's on, like... one more, one more. Go ahead, go ahead. The main witness. The main witness in the Biden case of Whistleblower, he disappeared. I wonder where he is.
<laughs> a lot of those guys are disappearing. Whistleblowers are disappearing. According to Comer, about nine of them have disappeared. Nine whistleblowers. Bodito, that's a shot of adrenaline. That's New York, baby. Hopefully, you'll be in studio on Thursday, but hopefully we'll see you down there Sunday morning, too, because the young cops love you. I love you. That is the man right there. That is the great cop, the dear friend, and the great New Yorker. Tremendous on this show twice a week, Bo Dito. Still a lot more to do, folks. That's a heck of a two hours. Sarah Palin, Christopher Mando, Russo, Tom Biggers, Bo Dito. Still to come, Gnomes Nuggets, Monica Crowley on the Durham Report, Michael Goodwin, the tremendous columnist for the New York Post, and Staten Island Borough President Vito Pasella. Plus, in Avernikov, has a big night tonight with Peter King. We'll get to that. And my old buddy Chuck Scholl died last year. Tomorrow, the first annual Chuck Scholl Golf Tournament. I've got all that info and more. New York's favorite talk show. That's me. And I'll be back right after this. Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. The Great Stranger album, Billy Joel Vienna. One of the big stories in the press yesterday was after 20 years of living out there in the Hamptons, Billy Joel, he out of here. He joining Scott Bale down in Florida. He's moving just south of Palm Beach. Now, I lived in Boca Raton. That was just south of Palm Beach. I'm not exactly sure where Billy Joel moved. But uh, Mr. Vienna right there, he is on his way to Florida, where uh, lots of folks are going these days. And... When you look at what's going on here in New York City, rallies outside today, outside of gymnasiums. I mean, this is just disgusting. I'm sorry. I can't support the mayor in any of this. And, you know, if you folks are starting to figure out that they're dropping off a lot of these illegals in Republican counties, yes, you just figured it out. There's no coincidence, Okay. I'm going to bring on Vicky Palladino tomorrow. Curtis Sliwa broke this himself on this show yesterday. Fort Tilden, Fort Totten, all these places. I live in a community that is firefighters and cops, first responders, Trump legs. They'd love to mess with my neighborhood. They'd love to do that. So I'm pissed. I see these moms out there and fathers going to be rallying outside these Public schools today, and they should. And they should. Now, I reached out to the mayor yesterday. We did have a relatively lengthy text conversation. 
and he should be joining me within the next couple of days. He was on New York One with Pat Kunin this morning, but that's basically, you know, a rub down at a massage place. And you guys can say what you want about me, but no matter who it is, friend or not, last time Eric Adams was on, it didn't get contentious to the point where he wouldn't come back because that's just stupid. But I certainly put his feet to the fire. And a lot of you, a lot of you gave me credit for it, and I'll do it again. Don't call yourself a sanctuary city. Don't refer to yourself as the Biden of Brooklyn when it is Joe Biden's policies, Joe Biden's administration policies that are destroying this city, this state, and this country. And you're either against it, Eric, or you're with it. You can't be both. And I have to tell you that I almost respect the people that are against it more because at least they take a stance. If you're one of these low lives like AOC or Chuck Schumer, at least I guess they take a stance. Eric, I don't know. One day he's for Daniel Penny, the next day he's not. One day he calls out not Joe Biden, the federal government, the next day he's the Biden of Brooklyn. It's got to be one or the other, baby. That's it. You try to please everybody, Eric. You uh, you really appease nobody. Nobody. And I'm close up now with the mayor to call him, Eric. When he comes on, I call him Mr. Mayor. Just like I called President Trump Mr. President last week. But, Eric, you're, you're really pleasing nobody at this point. Take a hard stance. Tell people like me to go at myself. I'll be fine. Or, or tell the federal government, call out his name, Joe Biden, fix this goddamn thing. Fix it. Sending buses to Rockland County or Breezy Point, beautiful neighborhoods. What are you doing? What are you doing? Talking about Republicans, big night tonight for my friend Inna Vernikov. You know, she's a good friend. There's a uh, South Brooklyn Republican Club meeting tonight. And... Guess who is actually, I guess, leading this meeting? Maybe he's the guest speaker. None other than the great Pete King. Peter, of course, will join us as he does every Wednesday morning, 840 tomorrow. But uh, Peter will be there. It's at the Knights of Columbus. I know that place very, very well. Went to many parties there. It's on Nostrand Avenue in Brooklyn. 7 p.m. tonight, South Brooklyn Republicans. It's a club meeting for Inavernikov. Got to vote her back in. Congressman Peter King will be there. Knights of Columbus coming up at 7 o'clock tonight. And you know, when Joseph Abood, before he started advertising at this station, Danielle and I would go shopping, and I bought a couple of sport jackets, including the blue sport jacket I wore on Jesse Waters last week that you all love so much. I actually bought that jacket at Century 21 by the Freedom Tower in Lower Manhattan. Well, it's been closed for years. And today, as we speak, my friend Inna Vernikov is on the way to Century 21 for the grand reopening. One of my favorite stores in all of New York. There was one in Brooklyn and Bay Ridge. I'm not sure if it's still there. But the one down by the Freedom Tower was a great store, and it's reopening this morning. So thank you to Inna for that. And you remember, folks, I lost a good friend of mine. A good friend of most New Yorkers. We had both Tom Biggers and Bo Deedle on today. Chuck Scholl was a great cop. And uh, Chuck Scholl was forced 
into retiring at the age of 65, and he was pissed. Come on with me and say, Sid, I got a lot left, man. I got plenty left, but they're making me walk away. And then he died not long after that, last year. Very, very sad. Well, Louis DeMarco reached out to me, and tomorrow will be the first annual golf outing in memory of our good friend Chuck Scholl. 6.30 registration, 8 a.m. shotgun, and it's in Diker Beach. I played that golf course. I was there with Chris Olivero, the guy who runs all the Odyssey stations in town, right by Polly Prep. So the Diker Heights golf course in Bay Ridge tomorrow, the first annual Chuck Shaw golf outing. That was a good man, great cop, super guy. So why not add him to the list of great cops today, Biggers, Deedle, and Shaw. Go out there and golf tomorrow. So one of the things that Monica will talk about, Monica Crowley, when she joins us at uh, 840 this morning, is this Durham report. Now, of course, the Democrats are making this out to be nothing. It's a duh. They never should have done it. Blah, blah, blah. But the report did say that looking into Russia and Donald Trump was a waste of time. There was nothing there. MSNBC and CNN will talk to their blue in the face that there was something that there was nothing there. That's what the report said. If you missed it when it broke last night, this is how it sounded, Lou Rapino, on Fox News, cut number one. Now, the FBI was then under the leadership of Jim Comey. It's changed many times uh, since then, several layers of leadership. The FBI putting out a statement today, had those reforms been in place since 2016, the missteps identified in the report could have been prevented. This report reinforces the importance of ensuring the FBI continues to do its work with the rigor, objectivity, and professionalism the American people deserve and rightly expect. Even Jake Tapper, if you watched Donald Trump on CNN the other night, which I did, of course, he was on with me the morning after. As soon as it ended with that uh, amateur Caitlin Collins, and nobody loves Bill O'Reilly more than me, nobody. I love him to pieces. If he says one more time she's a talented broadcaster, I'm going to jump off the building. She's got no talent. She's good to look at. That's it. Otherwise, she's a dummy. She may be young, but she's a dummy. So uh, Jake Tapper, when the when she was done, Collins grilling Donald Trump, not like a journalist, but like a prosecutor. Jake Tapper came on and said like ten horrible things about Trump. Anderson Cooper didn't even speak yet, and Jake Tapper said like ten horrible things about Trump. But even Jake Tapper on CNN came out and said the Durham report absolutely exonerates Donald Trump. This is Jake Tapper Lewis, cut number three. The report is now here. It has dropped, and it might not have produced everything of what some Republicans vote for. It, it is, regardless, devastating to the FBI, and to a degree, it does exonerate Donald Trump. Greg Gutfeld, you keep hearing his commercials. You know, I do Brian Kilmeade show. I do Jesse Waters show. Still no Gutfeld appearance. That's fine. He was on the five yesterday on Fox News talking about the Durham report and said, hey, this is why folks are worried about elections. Greg Gutfeld, cut number two. None of it's true. And so we had a half a decade hoax that infected and undermined every institution because we were made to believe this person is evil. And then people make fun of people who are skeptical about an election. 
Why shouldn't they be skeptical about an election when the DOJ and the FBI and the, and the mainstream media and the tech companies and the Chamber of Commerce are all in on the same thing? Uh, why shouldn't the election be called into question? But then again, there's MSNBC and people like Nicole Wallace. Didn't Nicole once work with George Bush? Well, she going the other way. And Nicole Wallace is one of the real enemies. I mean, she is nasty. Remember Donald Trump called Caitlyn Collins nasty? She is nasty. And she was on MSNBC yesterday and, of course, said the Durham report, there's nothing there. Nicole Wallace, cut number six. Durham's whole thing is predicated on, it's like a rabbit hole conspiracy that suggests that that the Trump bar paranoia infected his ability to stand back and evaluate whether the probe yielded guilty convictions of people who would have had nothing to do with any of these questions he looked at. It is a view from so far down the rabbit hole that what needs a scrub, what needs some oversight, is what Mr. Durham did for four years that repelled his longtime prosecutorial partner, Nora Dennehy, and other high-level DOJ prosecutors. So the verdict should be coming down soon. I spoke to Daniel Penny, the Hero Marines attorney, Tom Kniff. There's two of them. There's Kniff, and there's also Steve Reiser. They work together at that law firm. Uh, Knip will come on tomorrow. He expects the verdict will be out sometime today. will be delivered sometime today. Reiser was on Fox yesterday, and he said he was surprised that they charged Penny, much like the judge told me on Friday, to his credit, in the first place. This is Penny's attorney, Steve Reiser, cut number seven. It was not something that was easy to foresee, since you had an individual who stepped in to help his fellow passengers to then be charged with the uh, death of Mr. Neely was uh, was a bit of a surprise, especially considering the fact that he had been interviewed by the police and was told that he was free to go and then was later arrested. So that it was not something that was anticipated. And every time you watch the video of Jordan Neely, God rest his soul, didn't deserve to die, blah, blah, blah. We say that about all these guys. And it's true. George Floyd didn't deserve to die either. But, you know, they saw these videos of Neely doing the moonwalk, Michael Jackson. That was a decade ago. He was not that person anymore. He was a dangerous person to himself and to others, punching innocent people across the base. Riser made the point. What Fox said about Jordan Neely, that was true. Cut number eight. Most of what's been reported is um, is true as far as Mr. Neely entering the train and acting in a very violent manner, um, both physically and with words. So he made threats to the passengers' lives, um, and not directly in the sense that he said, I'm going to kill you all, but he would say things to the effect that, um, you know, I need certain things, I need food, I need this or that, and if I don't get it, I don't care if I go to prison for the rest of my life. And the passengers actually have said that they interpreted that mean, well, when would you go to prison for the rest of your life if you kill somebody? So everybody got the message. And finally, once again, I applaud all the parents out there today that are showing up at gymnasiums all across Brooklyn and other parts of our city, uh, rallying, protesting, this ridiculous, ridiculous policy of putting these, not migrants, illegals into public school gymnasiums, keeping the kid out of the gyms. I know that one school in Coney Island, the gym is in a different building, but in some of these schools, the gym is in the same building as where the kids are learning. This is really gross. 
So I guess we spoke, or somebody did, to some of these outraged Brooklyn parents. They're right. Lewis, this is cut number 12. I don't mind giving a helping hand, but when it interferes with the education of our students, yes, I do care. The mayor really got to look into the law, into what's permissible. It doesn't have to be in the public schools. They can put them somewhere else. There's no safety. They're giving us one um, safety officer, just one additional one. We only have two for a school of 700 kids. That's not fair. And it only happens on low-income communities. Where our children are failing and not empowered in any way makes me angry. And they're not uh, vetted, these people, right? And what are the odds of hundreds or thousands of these people that one or two of them are child predators? Odds are actually pretty good. So if my kid is in one of those schools, I am effing furious. I got to tell you, I'm effing furious this morning. Furious for these other souls These other New Yorkers. See, I care about New Yorkers. I care about Jennifer Harrison. I care about Madeline Brains. I care about Jose Alba. I care about Daniel Penny. And I care about the parents that are sending their schools today, their kids to school today, with a bunch of illegals who haven't been vetted inside the same building. This is not the New York they came back to in 2016. This is not the New York that not that long ago I had zero hesitation saying we are the greatest city in the world. This is not that New York. This is the New York, quite frankly, where people are doing what Billy Joel did not that long ago, leaving. And I ask myself almost daily, am I that far behind? That you forgot what you need Though you could see when you're wrong You know you can't always see when you're right Talk Radio 77 WABC This is Sid and Friends in the Morning 77 WABC So Monica now had to cancel today. Monica Crowley. She has some carpet cleaning guy come. They gave her an eight to one window. Now he's coming at eight thirty five. He's like, I'm around the corner. She's like, but wait, I'm going on with Sid. So she had to cancel. Yeah, She'll come on Thursday. Can't you just walk outside? I just don't want to leave somebody alone in an apartment. I understand that. Okay, fine. I don't do that. Okay, fine. When people come for the first time, I, I don't walk it. outside I, my I, apartment. I, I didn't think about it. You have nothing in your way. apartment to take. It's a disgusting place. <laughs> I saw the cocaine from last night. Justin yeah. just says, clean yeah. everything. Do whatever don't you got to do, right? Don't yeah. leave. Don't leave anything. <laughs> 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 you have valuables. You just can't leave. So. Speaking of carpet cleaner, I can, I can use one. Oh, I'm sure you could. Yeah. So she'll join us on uh, Thursday. Still to come this morning, Michael Goodwin, right there with Miranda Devine, the best writers in the country. In the country. He'll be here at 9.05, and the Staten Island Borough President, Vito Pacella, he was all over the news yesterday, everywhere. He'll join us at 9.25, but it is 8.32. That means it's time for Noam's Nuggets. Good morning, Noam. Good morning, Sydney. I'm I'm feeling a little 
depressed, a little melancholy today. You got paid? Well, I'm in mourning for my teenage self. Your teenage self? Yeah, years ago. Because I can remember as a kid when I was, you know, between the ages of about 13 and 17. Sure. There was this one kind of exciting moment every year that happened. The mailman would come. Mm It would be the winter time. Right. Dead of the winter. Daddy wasn't home. Oh, no, that one? Oh, sorry. No, no. (laughs) No, no, I'm not going there. (laughs) And he, into the mailbox, I'd hear it go. It's hit the slot. I run out, and there it was. There it was. The Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Model Magazine. You know, it's funny you say that. Mm -hmm. I think I was 11, and my sister, Alana, and my brother-in-law, Harry, from Rockton County, mind you, they, um, they got me a subscription for Christmas to Sports Illustrated. And the, under the tree, it was the Sports Illustrated. It was actually the Sportsman of the Year because it was right before January. And that particular issue, Steve Cawthon told you this before, the jockey on Affirmed who won the Triple Crown, had all those three great races edging out Alidar every single time. Cawthon was 16 years old, and he was the Sportsman of the Year. And I got my own subscription to Sports Illustrated, and I was so excited, and I had no idea they had women in bikinis. And when I became aware of it, it did nothing for me. You want to know why? Why's that? Why would a magazine with a scantily clad woman be exciting to you when you can go to any one of ten porn sites on your phone where they're naked, and doing things that you want uh, the girl in the bikini to be doing. Now. Well, I'm talking about my teenage self. Now. I'm not talking about now today. Yeah, even back then, I wasn't much into it. Because well, when I was 13, we already had VHS tapes. Debbie Does Dallas came out when I was 12. <laughs> well, I bring this up because uh, the uh, Sports Illustrated <laughs> yesterday. Steve Cawthon didn't do it for you. I mean, he did it. <laughs> Oh, oh, I know where you're going with this. So um, yesterday, Sports Illustrated announced their cover model. And and I was in mourning for teenagers of today. Of course, yeah, granted, they can go on their phone. But when they get that Sports Illustrated swimsuit edition in their mailbox uh, over the next couple days, here's the person that will be on the cover. Hi, I'm Martha Stewart. And I'm shooting in the Dominican Republic in this beautiful place for Sports Illustrated swimsuit. So far, so good. Not too stressful. Getting dressed in 10 different bathing suit outfits can be a little exhausting. You know, I'd rather just put on one thing in the morning and wear it all day long and even out to dinner. Yes, the 81-year-old Martha Stewart is gracing the cover of the the Sports Illustrated swimsuit. What about that gorgeous gymnast that was in the Post last week? They're coming out. be done and they're coming out yeah. with I'm, i think no i'm not positive on this but i think they're coming out with multiple multiple editions right multiple, right so the young the young gymnast who happens to be a 13 on a scale of one to yeah, ten yeah yeah maybe, she's maybe, on maybe the an cover. 18 to be honest yeah with you. Uh, uh this one with um martha stewart i'm not buying that one well you know it's cute i mean look i mean she happens to look great for she 81 does. but yeah. she's 81 right yeah. you know it's like they have these commercials now and people are going to kill me with this i don't care they have, like, uh, commercials for, you know, douche and uh, all this stuff, maxi pads and, and even panties for women. And these women are fat. And I hate to say it, but they don't belong on TV. Mm. Doesn't mean they're not great people. 
doesn't mean they don't deserve to buy their own panties, doesn't mean there aren't overweight people that need to buy panties. This is going to sound very 1970-ish and very shallow, but I don't want to see fat people in panties on television. I'm sorry, I don't. Does that make me a bad guy? No. Okay, because people are like, oh, well, you are bad. everybody should be celebrated, fat, skinny, everybody should have a... No, no, no. TV is for good-looking people. That's well, it. Unless those are midget shows are funny, or the ones with the. Uh... <laughs> well, to that end, Martha. Six hundred pound, whatever. That <laughs> My six hundred pound life. I love that show. <laughs> to that end, Martha wants you to know that she felt hot and sexy during her photo shoot. Usually, I'm motivated by pay, but I, this time I was motivated by showing people that. A woman my age can still look good, feel good, be good, blah, blah, blah. And she was shocked when uh, Sid Sports Illustrated told her, you're going to be the cover model. Well, I guess one of four. Thanks for ruining that one, Justin. When I heard that I was going to be on the cover of Sports Illustrated swimsuit, I thought, oh, well, that's pretty good. I'm going to be the oldest person, I think, ever on a, on a cover of Sports Illustrated. And I don't think about age very much, but I thought that this is kind of historic and that I better look really good. And she does. Well, yeah. She looks great. For yeah. her age, she looks right. great. And God bless her. What they should do is have, like, an old people magazine. You know, like when I always say that transgenders should not compete against the opposite <laughs> right. sex. They should have a transgender league, right? So if you're that, that swimmer who went to Pennsylvania who's really a boy beating girls, you should compete against other boys who woke up one morning and decided, I'm now a girl. That's fine. Let's transgender. Same thing here. Have one magazine dedicated to older ladies. Why yeah. not? Uh, they have, what is it, a AARP. Don't they have a magazine? Fine. She could be on the cover of that. You're going yeah. 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 to take some, nine, you know, some 25-year-old beautiful girl off the cover because Martha Stewart is famous, and she does look great for her age. She looks great, but she's 81. I'll take the Megan Fox version, please. Megan Fox, in today's New York Post, said, quote, I don't like my body. Yeah, she did say that. Shut up. Yeah, I, this, is, this is what annoys me. At least Martha Stewart. God bless her, loves herself, loves her body, good for her. When Megan Fox, who's a knockout, says, I don't like my body, she's just begging for you to say, oh, Megan, you've got a great body. I do stuff like that, very immature, and I do it all the time, begging for compliments. <laughs> do it all the time. You, yeah. really? I'm like, I don't look so good today. <laughs> no, you look great. Are you sure? <laughs> Oh, he comes. He comes in the control room every day. Like I, I got this pain. Look at my eye. And look at this. And do 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 you get this? I mean, you're a little older. Do you have this pain? And and look, you know, I, I don't think my eyes are like. Shut up. Uh, Go fine. in the other studio. Yeah. Just shut up. Well, uh, congratulations to Mother Stewart. Well, right. I just want you to know, she also said, well, I just wanted to play one last cut. Did she have sex with Snoop Dogg or something once? Well, it's funny. At the end of this video, she, you know, it's, you know, they put those Sports Illustrated videos together of all the models. So you can see Martha Stewart just like the other models that are on the three other covers. And she mentioned Snoop, and she says that she knows Snoop will be pretty excited to see her in a bathing suit. But she says the entire shoot was exhausting. She didn't realize how much it took out of her. I want other women, especially women, to feel that they could also be on the cover of Sports Illustrated issue. Taking the most beautiful photos ever. Ten wardrobe changes. It is absolutely inhuman of the Sports Illustrated team. Yeah, ten wardrobe wardrobe changes, Sid. What can I tell you? It's a nice thing. Listen, I, I I applaud her. Again, she's kept herself in great shape. That lady did prison time, don't forget. 
That's true. I forgot about that. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't exactly Attica, but she did. So congratulations. All right. We'll just leave it at that. But uh, me personally, I want to see the gymnast from. Yeah. <laughs> I'm see. Oh, hey, now. <laughs> I don't Woo. know. It's just me, you know. But you know, the guys are so they're scared to death these days. You can't say anything, and everybody's. Not, I'm not scared. I don't care. Right. So now everybody has to say that. The, right. I'm not saying. So happy for Marcus. Stupid. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, by the way, I found out this morning why Ken Rosado was fired on Channel 7, and I don't get that. What he said to the lady wasn't nice. It wasn't very nice. But he called her a word that a lot of guys call girls that are nasty. He wasn't, he wasn't racist. If he would have called that girl something racist, then I would have understood it, in I the, guess. In the U.K., they use that word in every sentence. I know they do. But we're not in the U.K., Justin. No, we're but thank not. You for we're that. in America. You're yeah. welcome. I use that word in every sentence, too, Justin. <laughs> it's not on radio. But, I mean, but to fire Ken Rosado for calling her the C-word, that is ridiculous. He is one of the nicest, best guys on TV. I mean, let him apologize. Suspend him for a, a couple of weeks. He didn't use a racist. It wasn't slur. He, you know, he called her basically a synonym for, for bitch. And you get fired for that? This firing thing is... What insane. is going on in this yeah. country? You've you got to be careful about everything. You give illegals all the food and places to sleep and all they want, and a guy like Kenny Rosado is looking for a job yeah, because got, he, he yeah. used a synonym for nasty? <laughs> Come on, man. Come on. <laughs> all upside down. Hey. It's not right. Everybody loves Kenny. I don't know anybody doesn't like him. No. Anybody. Piscopo loves him. Maria loves him. Everybody at WABC loved him. Maybe this girl is difficult. I don't know her. I have no idea, but big deal. And let me tell you something else. If I'm this lady who he called that word, I'm the first one in those offices begging those guys to bring her back. Maybe she was having a bad day. I don't know. But I stand with Ken Rosado. Don't use that word. It's not right. But that should not, should not. Be a fireable offense. That is ridiculous. Anyway, Joe Nolan. He could tell. Right, Nolan. And that's it. <laughs> See you tomorrow. <laughs> 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Sunday, we went to uh, Wolfgang's, I think I mentioned that, on 33rd and Park for a early dinner, late lunch. We had a 2.45 reservation. And it was uh, me, Danielle, Abe, and Gabe, and it was great. I do want to send a shout-out to Jeff, G, and Sida over there at Wolfgang's for um, for a lovely, uh, I guess, brunch dinner. And we lived there on that block for a while. It's funny, I, I go back there. We used to stay for about a month at that hotel, the Hilton right there. Because when my house got destroyed back in December, you folks may remember, for one week we stayed at the U.N. Hilton, which I think is on 44th and 2nd, 
Then we went back to Rockaway for like a week. Then they put us at this hotel on 33rd and Park. Wolfgang's is on the corner. They've got a very popular sports bar downstairs. Remember I met, um, what's her name's daughter, Lily Sheen, uh, 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 Kate Beckinsale. I forgot the name of the place now, but sports bar at that hotel, very popular. And we were there basically for the whole NFL playoffs. And then they moved us to this apartment where we live now in Battery Park City, right on the water. Very, very lovely. But I can't wait to get home. Man, I can't wait. The city's great. Convenience, you can't beat it. I mean, if I was really wealthy, and I should be, I really should, there's not a radio talent in this city that should be paid more than me. And there are a bunch, which is ridiculous. And I mean this, if this sounds, you know, narcissistic, I don't care. I don't care. Shove it up your ass. I'm the best in the business. You're sick of hearing it. I don't care. I can prove it. I can prove it. And ideally, it'd be great if I could live in the city during the week and then go home on the weekends, but I don't make that type of money. I can't afford a mortgage and rent. So convenience, living in the city is great, but I've had enough, man. Can't do it. And it's a lovely area. It's right on the water. I got the Brookfield Place right there, Great Mall. Takes me about 20 minutes to walk to every train, one, two, three, four, five, six. But I got to get out of here. <laughs> I need some peace and quiet. John Katsimatidis says it all the time. The beach will add 10 years to your life. And he's right. I'd wake up in the morning and take my cup of coffee. I've got a deck on the second floor of my house. Sit outside. I can smell and hear the beach. Take that two-block walk to the beach. My great neighbors. And it was just beautiful. Beautiful living there last spring and summer. And here, you know, I, I walk down to the water. It's lovely. And then I walk to the front of my building, and there's smeared dog poop all over the street. You don't get that by my house, you know. First of all, not everybody where I live has a dog. There are plenty of dogs, but not everybody. And they clean up after the dogs. I live in a building. There's got to be a 1,000 dogs, a 1,000. And I love dogs, love them, out of my whole life. I've complained about this before. I walk in the mall, they've got dogs. Dogs don't belong in, in the Gucci shop. No, no. Dogs don't belong in the Mexican restaurant. Dogs don't belong on a Saturday morning at Starbucks across the street from my house. Can't say no. Can't say no. The other dog, the other day a dog uh, made diarrhea in my elevator. I swear to God, they had to rip up the carpet because they couldn't get the stain out. They tried to get the stain out. They smeared it. It stunk. It's disgusting. Then I go do my laundry on Sunday because I do all the laundry. And there's one machine open, because everybody does laundry on Sundays. There's one machine open, and it's filled with dog hair. It's disgusting. i got to get out. Yeah, people bring their dogs into the laundry into the laundry room. Oh, they walk in with the dog, Everything. and they're tied, and their other stuff. Yeah, the dog sits there. It's called. Their clothes are filled with dog hair, yep. cat hair. And again, I've had dogs my whole life. I love dogs, but folks, they're dogs. Yeah, it's called entitlement. People yeah, no, I know. Don't. Like the jerk offs. The jerk offs. No. They don't like to hear no. Especially in the city. These are the biggest oh. a holes God ever created. Oh. The biggest. I'm sorry. I lived in Brooklyn. You know, I've lived in every borough except for Staten Island. I grew up and spent most of my life in Brooklyn. I've lived all over New York City. I lived in Riverdale in the Bronx. So now I, I live in, yep. in Bell Harbor in Queens. Yep. Only Staten Island. Because I haven't been arrested yet. But I, <laughs> for real, I mean a real arrest. Um and, and the city people are the absolute worst. They think 
They're the smartest, the greatest, and they're allowed the most entitled. Yeah. yeah. And they're allowed. Oh, I can bring my dog here. I can yeah. bring. My, what, oh, but they are allowed. Place? But they are allowed. Yeah. But what if these stores say no? Yeah, say no. Nobody likes it. When I speak to the girl Kenya, that's my barista at Starbucks, and I go, why do I have to walk around three dogs at 7 o'clock in the morning to get my coffee? And it smells like a dog's ass. And then if it rains, you know, the doggies, they get all smelly. And why? She goes, I don't like it either. I go, why don't you do something about it? She goes, I just work here. Everybody's allowed. Junkies, dogs, homeless. There's one guy in my Starbucks. This is a nice neighborhood, folks. This apartment's a $9,000 a month. This guy, he is a second away from raping somebody, killing somebody. He's sitting there every weekend. My wife walks in, she walks right out. It's really unbelievable what's happened to this city. And these people, they think it's the greatest thing, and they're, they're, it's all great. Oh, there are homeless people in the bank on 116 that's sitting there. When, well, during banking hours. Oh, I know. So what happened is Danielle used to bank at PNC by Madison Square Garden, 34th Street. So every night the homeless would sleep in there. They'd pee in there. They'd make duty in there, the whole thing, you know. And then it got so bad, there's no door between the hallway and the actual entrance to the bank. So you'd walk in to make a deposit, and it smelled like duty. And she complained one day. She goes, you guys are great. I've been banking here for a long time. It's actually the bank for the charity we started. Think about that. And they're like, we can't do anything about it. So you know what they did? They shut down the front so the homeless couldn't sleep there anymore. And then one night, the next morning, they showed up, and they enter the bank from the back. And the homeless people were so angry they locked them out that they actually pooped by the back door and took the poop and put it all over the knob where these people try to enter the bank to go to work. Okay. Is this unbelievable? A good this option. is your city, Gnome. You know, in uh, Hoboken, it's so bad. This is crazy that the homeless problem is so bad at the franchise stores that they pulled all the tables out so people have no place to sit. So if you go to Panera Bread or to Starbucks in Hoboken, there's no place to sit down. And the only yeah. reason they did that is so that homeless people wouldn't sit down. Right. Instead of just kicking out the homeless right. people, they made it so it's not comfortable and go and buy a sandwich and sit down anymore. For people like you, regular tax-paying, normal people, you want to sit down. I don't have a sandwich, and instead of, you're right, taking on the homeless situation head-on, they screw poor Noam Layden. Because right. he's Jewish. That's why. <laughs> and bald. <laughs> all right. We've got a lot more to do. Michael Goodwin, Vito Pocella, all kinds of good stuff. Not a lot of guests this hour, but a great hour. Wouldn't you agree? Everybody got talking? This is where my cast shows their brilliance. Lewis, Justin, <laughs> no. Brilliant. Oh, brilliant. We'll come back, back, I should say, and wrap up hour number three right after this. I feel uneasy. You show me.
Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Great album, 52nd Street. Don't forget, check out my friends in Avernikoff. She's running again in Brooklyn, folks. She does a great job on that city council in Brooklyn. We need her. She's at Bay, Brighton Beach, Midwood section. Her and Peter King will be at the Knights of Columbus on Nostrand Avenue tonight in Brooklyn, 7 o'clock. Go check them out. It is actually on our way down to my neighborhood right now. They're reopening Century 21. Great store by the Freedom Tower. Uh, we bought clothes there before. Danielle bought me a beautiful sport jacket there, which I wore in Jesse Waters a couple of weeks ago. So that is uh, reopening this morning. Vernikoff is there for that. And then Inna and Peter King at the Knights of Columbus tonight. But that was Billy Joel, and he's the latest to leave town. That brings me to my next guest. And I love this guy. He's been coming on a lot lately, which makes me very happy. He uh, probably, him and Miranda, are the two best writers in the country, hands down, Columnist, New York Post, the very smart and glib. How about that one for you? Michael Goodwin. Good morning, Michael. Uh, good morning, Sid. Thank you. It's uh, good to uh, good to have you here. Hey, let's talk about uh, Billy Joel. He's the latest to leave. Now, he's in his 70s, and he ain't living because of tax money. He's made millions and millions of dollars. But you get the feeling that maybe the weather, the, the crime, uh, all those things, had Billy Joel moving down to Florida like everybody else? Well, uh, no doubt uh, all of those contribute. Uh, I would probably throw in another one, too, which would be inheritance taxes. Um, as you note, he's getting older, and people in, in that age and, and with that kind of uh, wealth uh, generally consult uh, with lawyers and, and tax accountants about how to not give the government everything when they die. And New York State, I believe, um, Probably for someone in his income bracket, I, <clears throat> excuse me, I think it would be about 16% or something along those lines, whereas in Florida, it's zero. So let's say he's worth $100 million, round number, right? And he dies, and he has a $100 million estate. Well, New York State would get, you know, 16% of that. Um, in Florida, the state would take nothing. Uh, that's the kind of consideration that a lot of older people also make just in terms of quality of life, safety, uh, the weather even. Uh, but the inheritance tax is a, is a kind of X factor for people of a certain wealth and age. Of which I'm um, neither. <laughs> Michael. <laughs> 
Welcome to the club. Yeah, I know. <laughs> New York Post, Michael Goodwin, uh, your latest column, of course, media play, duck and cover up for Joe Biden. So the Durham report comes back yesterday, and of course, MSNBC and CNN this morning. Uh, much to do about nothing. They've uncovered nothing. What a waste of time. But in the meantime, all those hoaxes with Donald Trump, the Russian hoax, the Ukrainian hoax, the two impeachment hoaxes, that was okay, right? The whole thing with um, with Robert Mueller. But it is what it is. The Durham report came out and said that there was no monkey business between Trump and Russia, and it was a complete hoax set forth by Hillary Clinton and the Democrats. So even Jake Tapper on CNN, who hates Trump, came out yesterday and said, you know what, this exonerates President Donald Trump. Your thoughts? Well, uh, that's correct. Um, and, and what struck me about the report, Sid, was the just matter-of-fact tone that uh, this investigation, he, he puts it in, in legal terms, but it's that there was no reason to open this investigation in the first place. And when you think of what happens after that, once Peter Strzok, uh, opens this investigation on the instructions of Andrew McCabe, uh, two really what I consider dirty cops, uh, then it, everything falls like dominoes, including it ends up with Robert Mueller, the special counsel, uh, the mad dog, Andrew Weissman, who really ran uh, the Mueller probe and wanted to, I think, hang uh, Trump, not just indict him, but hang him, um, was on MSNBC yesterday, still spouting this. Weissman was part of the cabal that went to the Manhattan District Attorney and pushed uh, then Cy Vance and now um, Alvin Bragg to, to indict Trump on things. I mean, they were just looking to get Trump. That was it. They didn't care what it was about. It was Russia, Russia, Russia was, I think, in many ways, an excuse. They decided that Donald Trump needed to be prosecuted, and they were going to now they're going to find a case. That's how it all started. And and you see it. Letitia James is still doing it as New York State Attorney General. You see Alvin Bragg still doing it. And you see the feds. They're still trying to get them. I mean, it has never stopped. As we speak, these are two horrible people, Joe and Mika on MSNBC, have some dopey guest on, and it reads on the scroll, Durham Report, another dud. Well, you think so. We don't. Uh, and you're right, they're still out there for the Merrick Garlands. Even Chris Ray in charge of the FBI right now, he's no good. He's no good, Mike. No, no, I think he is, uh, look, he, he is. he's kind of the... the the seed of that whole group, the Comey group. I don't see much difference between Comey and uh, Ray. Ray is a little quieter and doesn't not quite so boastful, but uh, the impact is the same. I mean, you look what's happening now. Where's the Hunter Biden case? Five years, five years. And you, you're telling me that's normal, that that has nothing to do with his last name? I mean, we, we are expected to trust these people. And, you know, see, it breaks my heart to say this, but I don't trust them. I don't trust the FBI. I don't trust the Justice Department. I don't trust the IRS. These are now weaponized institutions that do the bidding of the Democratic Party. 
That's all they are. And so, you know, as I say, I hate to hear myself talk this way, but the facts have left me no option. These are not trustworthy individuals, and these are not trustworthy uh, institutions. Now, there no doubt are many good and honest people within them, but, you know, these big cases really reveal the heart and soul of these institutions. And when you are politicized that way, when you insist that your way is superior, that your party is superior, that your beliefs are the ones that that, that should dominate the public conversation, you've lost the plot. You're no longer enforcing the law. You're enforcing your own opinion. And that's what has become of uh, these federal agencies. I mean, the CIA, the same thing. I mean, we give them enormous power and they have abused it and they have abused it against other Americans. It'd be one thing if they were locking up, you know, Chinese communists or something, but they're not. They're locking up Americans. They're prosecuting and persecuting and harassing Americans on the basis of politics. There's no way to spin that any with the facts we know. If you're a Democrat, there's one set of rules for you. And if you're a Republican or a dissenter of any kind, there's a separate, more stringent set of rules for you. And we will lock you up to shut you up. And this is why Michael Goodwin is great at his job. That was beautifully said and 1,000 percent accurate. Michael Goodwin New York Post, uh, you and me, both of us, have kind of gone out of our way to find the good in Mayor Eric Adams. Me so much that I befriended him. We go for dinners, we go for lunches, we do text, text each other quite a bit yesterday. But I got to tell you, seeing these illegals, I'm not using the word migrants anymore, seeing these illegals housed up in gymnasiums with little kids in Brooklyn and more and more gymnasiums are about to be used, finding out that neighborhoods like mine, Beautiful Republican neighborhoods are now basically being targeted for these illegals. I'm starting to like the mayor less and less. I know it's not all his fault, but you know what? It would go a long way if he stopped saying federal government and said, quote, Joe Biden is epping our country and our city and our state. What are your thoughts? Yeah, look, I think I think the mayor made a fundamental mistake. I said so when he first invited them here. Now, it's been almost a year uh, last July, I believe it was, he said that there were 2,800 uh, of, of these migrants, illegal immigrants, uh, in city shelters. And that was the first time anybody heard that there, they were in the city to that number. And uh, he said it was putting a strain on the system. So that's July. Fast forward to June. So we're really just about a year. And what are we up to? 60,000, 70,000? Who knows? Wow. And, and the city just can't handle it. And he, his mistake was to accept them. He not only accepted them, he went to the mayor of El Paso and said, send me, send me more. He did that. He can deny it. But the mayor of El Paso has been very clear that Adams, while Adams was attacking Governor Abbott of Texas, he was wooing the Democratic mayor of El Paso to send more migrants. And when they got here, it wasn't like he just provided these people with shelter and food, which would have been good enough. It was like royalty was coming to town. It was ridiculous. Well, you see it now, right? They're, they're, 
in these motels in uh, Orange and Rockland counties. They're kicking vet, uh, homeless veterans out. They're oh. kicking families out. They're, they're booting wedding parties that made these reservations a year ago. They're cutting them all out. So it's, it's as though the, the, you know, the people who came to this country illegally now are the most important people in the country. I mean, when, you know, and Adams, I think, I think he just misplayed this. I think he didn't look down the road. I mean, you, you know, in, in federal court of Supreme Court, uh, when there's an argument about the government's powers, there's always a question that comes up, and it's usually directed at the government lawyers. What's the limiting principle? In other words, if you can do this, tell me what you can't do. Tell me where, where you say the limit of your powers is reached. And if the government can't answer that question, the court usually says, well, then you can't do this because what you're saying is you have unlimited power. Well, that's sort of what's happened here. If Eric Adams wanted to in, you know, invite 5,000, let's say, did he then say to anybody, that's it? You know, I mean, how do we stop it at that number? Yeah, yeah. But he just opened the door, and they're going to keep coming. I know. They're going to yeah. keep coming. There's no limit in sight. No. Nope. Two minutes to go. This has been a great conversation. As far as Sid Rosenberg is concerned, Daniel Penny's a hero. I'm not going to use any other word. I know it bothers people. Good. I'm sorry the kid died, Jordan Neely, and I'm really sorry his mother was murdered when he was 14 years old. But he really spent the last 10 years of his life as a menace, punching innocent people across the face, 40 arrests, scaring people every day on the subway. So in my opinion, what Daniel Penny did was great. More on New Yorkers should do it. And he's a hero. What about Michael Goodwin? Look, um, I'm not ready to say hero, but I, I I think he is a Samaritan. In, in the truest sense of the word. I mean, I think he came to the aid of others. Uh, I don't know if the difference between a hero and a Samaritan. Well, let me I'm, ask you this. I'm let me ask you this. Well, well, if Jordan Neely didn't die, you'd use the word hero, but you're a decent person. You're a good man. Somebody died, so you feel guilty using the word hero. I understand that, but I'm separating the two in that, in that he didn't mean to kill the kid. That's I, I completely agree with you. Um, and I'm looking here at a Monday uh, headline in the New York Times. Homeless man on city's radar years before death on subway. And I think that is a crucial thing here. The city knew about him. He was one of their top 50 neediest people. But they didn't do anything about him, right? And so that's what that to me is the, is the issue here in this case is that the city knew, and it did nothing. And then here you have two people on the same subway car, uh, one of them being uh, the hero, the the Samaritan here, who's going to protect the other people from this man the city knows about and did nothing about. I mean, we're on our own. I think that's the message that this case shows, that the city is not there to help. The city will drop the ball. It cannot be counted on it cannot be trusted you've got it you're on your own that's the message mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that penny i think represents and if if you're going to prosecute the guy who you know shoots liberty valance <laughs> as the old movie <laughs> right? right who's going to protect the public yep. and that to me is the issue here and that's why i think he should not be prosecuted not because I mean, it, it is tragic, and that is the difficult hurdle here legally, is that the man died. Uh, nonetheless, uh, I don't think there was an intent uh, to kill him. 
There's no evidence of that. And But Alvin Bragg, of course, we know whose side he's on. Well, congratulations, Michael. Your columns are in the New York Post all the time, so it's not a big deal for your name to be in the Post. But if you saw the ad yesterday for Sid and Friends in the Morning on page 22, with 18 of my most uh, valued friends and guests on this program, your picture was in there. That's uh, how much you mean to me in the show at this point. So thank you for coming on. Another great appearance. We'll do it again very soon. Always a pleasure, Sid. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Michael Goodwin, New York Post. Terrific, terrific guest and a great writer. We'll take a short break. When we get back, Staten Island all over the news. We'll talk to Staten Island Borough President. Love this guy, too, Vito Bosella. And then, live in Los Angeles, my very first ever radio partner, getting ready for game one tonight between LeBron James, Lakers, and the Nuggets. Scott Kaplan makes a return to this show as well. Lots more to do before Brian Kilmeade comes your way at 10. and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. I was tired of my lady. We'd been together too long. Like a worn out recording. Rupert Holmes, great song for this time of year. One of those good summer songs, you know, like Push, Push in the Bush. Rupert Holmes, Yacht Rock Radio, Pina Colada. That was uh, great Michael Goodwin, my first ever radio partner, Scott Kaplan, live from Los Angeles, coming up in about 15 minutes. Lakers and Nuggets game one tonight. But Vito Pocella, he was on with Katz yesterday. I like this guy. I like Vito. Vito's he's a tough guy, you know, he's got a... He's got a set of balls. I like that. And he's a really good borough president out in Staten Island. And uh, he's been everywhere these last couple of days. You know, the, the uh, illegals, uh, an old school in Staten Island, about 300 coming his way. And then the Daily News ran this yesterday. Staten Island grand jury declines attempted murder charge against 14-year-old boy as the officials said that Vito Focella and Nicole Maliotakis, who was on this show just yesterday, Use the case to slam criminal justice reform. Well, what kind of nonsense is that? So here he is, the great borough president of Staten Island, my buddy Vito Pocella. Vito, what kind of garbage is that? Good morning, Sid. Can you hear me? Good morning, yes. Yeah. Um, I would say that uh, somebody's... <laughs> I think we keep, we lost him twice. So I did hear him the first time. But then we lost him. So hopefully you get back to us. Because there's two things I want to cover. That and, of course, the old school on Staten Island. Is that uh, the borough president calling back? Time to use uh, one of the damn phones in uh, City Hall there. Whatever that is in Staten Island. What do they have there? 
Who's he calling us from? Uh, Ferry Hawk Stadium. By the way, the Ferry Hawks have won two games in a row. Two straight wins for our Ferry Hawks. Vito, you back? Yeah, sorry about that. That's okay. So tell me about this nonsense from the Staten Island Grand Jury. Yeah. So a number of weeks ago, in the middle of the day, um, I, what was reported at the time was a, a man about 50 years old or so was attacked by a group of young people, a video showing him being stabbed while laying on the platform. And we have made an issue, as you have, Sid, as, as John Katsimatidis has done in the afternoon. Crime is not just a perception, it's a reality. And we're going to call it out wherever it is, because we don't just expect Staten Island to, to live like other places in the city who just accept it. They say defund the police or crime is not a problem. When something happens that's significant, we're going to stand up and say this is a problem. Uh, about a year and a half ago, there was a situation in front of a school. We we were there in Tottenville High School when a young kid was, was shot when he was leaving. We were there. So wherever there's an issue regarding crime and keeping the people of Staten Island safe, we will stand up and call it out. And in this case, uh, I guess the facts now are that there were other you know, extenuating circumstances. But the fact remains, as it's still reported, that a young girl pulled out a knife on the guy, and she was the first one to do so. And that's just not normal, I don't like behavior for people in the middle of the day taking the train. No, you're right. I know that you and Nicole talked about bad parenting, and you're exactly right. I'll say it. It is awful parenting. I don't know who these parents are. But uh, it does go back to that. But I will say this, Vito. I've got Democrat mm-hmm. friends. I get it. I go to my way sometimes to protect them, even the mayor. But if you had a, I don't know, maybe a Republican DA instead of Mike McMahon, I know he's a buddy of yours going on his third term. And by mm-hmm. the way, no one's running against him, which is complete ridiculous. If Dan Donovan's in that job, maybe he doesn't go that way. Why don't other people <laughs> run against these damn officials on Staten Island? <laughs> Well, I don't, I'm not going to go there. I, you know, what I'm saying at a grand jury, we, let me back up a step. I respect the process. And in this case, the grand jury <clears throat> comprised of Staten Island residents decided not to proceed. So whatever the situation was, I respect. But the takeaway is still there was an altercation on the train, has been reported. The young people started, okay, got out of hand. And there was a young kid who pulled out a knife on an older gentleman. That's just not routine, and it's not how these are just teenagers being teenagers. This is real, which is why the reality is crime is up in almost every major category because in some cases there are bad people who were not sort of imprisoned or in jail, and they are allowed to be on the street, which is what happened in Manhattan with this Marine. You know, you had a gentleman, I know you were just talking about it, and you've, you've been speaking out about it. Congratulations on that. Thank you. And somebody's arrested 42 times and by the age of 30 and still on the street. And the city knows about it. He's admitted to institutions and released in a few days. You know, that's what we're dealing with. That's not perception. That is reality. And the fundamental responsibility of government is to protect innocent people so whenever somebody's in danger and the potential danger, uh, we will stand up and, and stand with the victims of crime. We will stand with those who are concerned about crime, and we will support the New York City Police Department. That's what we do. This is Staten Island Borough President Vito Pacello, who's uh, one of the real good eggs, trust me. So you know here in uh, Brooklyn, Sunset Park, Williamsburg, Coney Island, they're using school gymnasiums to house these illegals. I don't call them migrants, illegals. And I know you've got a school on Staten Island. It's not funny. Uh, well, it's not, it's not open right now, that school, but they're going to house 300 illegals there. 
You fed up, Vito, right? Fed up? Uh, totally. And for for the same almost fundamental reason, uh, Sid, and you again, you've been calling it out with, with your trumpet, that Thank you. a failed policy is going to end up in bad, bad stuff on people who didn't cause the problem. So if people are let out of jail or they're let to commit innocent, you know, commit crime on innocent people, we, we were there saying we told you so. When the border is wide open and hundreds of thousands of people come across it illegally, uh, we said at that time, this is unsustainable, and sooner or later, somebody's going to pay for that. And right now, the people of Staten Island are paying for failed policies, and they will be housed. They already are housed at some of the hotels, and the plan is to house up to 300 more, as you say, at a school that recently closed. So not only is that unfair – to the people of Staten Island, it's also become an extreme financial burden, yeah. as we indicated yeah. almost a year ago that it would. Now it only has grown exponentially, and that comes out of their pockets, and I think it's not right. You know, there's a couple of very Republican neighborhoods. For example, I live in a, in a very Republican neighborhood, and uh, the rumors are that they're going to send some of these illegals, you know, to Fort Tilden, which is not far from my house. And now, of course, Staten Island is a very red borough here in New York. Uh, This is not an accident, Vito. I know you know that. Some of these Democrat officials are purposely sending these illegals to Republican neighborhoods. You agree with that, yes? Well, who who the heck knows? I mean, the the bottom line is is this. When you have 50 or 60,000 people show up in New York, as you mentioned, illegally or without doing the right thing, why should we have to pay? Why should the people of Staten Island who work hard pay their taxes and then have to pay for those folks uh, who say, hey, you, I want a hotel? You shouldn't. Well, what, what areas of Staten Island are the majority of these folks living in now? So there's there's a certain uh, neighborhood called Travis, which is out by the West Shore Expressway. They took the first uh, set of asylum migrants and asylum seekers. And now on the North Shore of Staten Island, over in the Stapleton area, is where uh, the, this former Hungerford school uh, is housing. And they put 70 cots, at least 70 cots in the gymnasium. They said they were going to send about 140, but they have capacity up to 300. But you, you, you just talked about, Sid, there's no end in sight. There's no end in sight. And when you start talking two, three, four billion dollars, that's real money that somebody has to pay for. And I think that's what's wrong. And until and unless the federal government sort of steps in, solves this problem, the people of Staten Island and New York City are going to continue to deal with this. Somebody has to pay for schmucks like me who get up at 3.30 in the morning, and my problem is I actually work hard and make a good living. So you have to punish somebody like me. I need to pay for these people. Or your taxes go up. Those who want services, hey, can I get a new school over here? They say, no, we don't have it. But you can turn around and spend $3 billion for asylum seekers? Right. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. No. I mean, all Vito Pocello wanted, he didn't want illegals. He wanted a casino. So what? Uh, what is going on with that? Is that pretty much a dead issue? I know that, uh, for example, 42nd Street looks pretty good. Steve Cohen, City Field looks pretty good. Is that pretty much a dead issue on Staten Island? Well, no, not maybe, uh, but not necessarily because this may only be the first round of casinos. But we, as, as we talked about uh, a while ago, Sid, then there was a Ferris wheel was going to come to Staten Island that that went nowhere, and they're going to uh, put an RFP out, if you will. The city controls the property on the waterfront in the next month or so, I believe, 
And if somebody's interested in a casino, I, as I said, we would con- we would be supportive because I think it would be a nice attraction and would get more people to Staten Island and see the good things that Staten Island has to offer. So is it way de- behind the pack on these others? Yes, uh, because the city has not released the property to, to make it available to the public as of now. Now, the property is right down where uh, Mr. Katsimatidis, our dear friend, owns a baseball yep. team, that St. George section. How big of a casino could you actually put there in that property? I- I, well, there's an existing building there that's rather large, and that was going to be for the wheel. Uh, so there's an existing structure, and you could probably build upon it. So it would be a nice-sized casino, especially when you consider the, uh, the alternatives in New York City. So we would be open to it. Uh, we think it would be very intriguing, and we'll get people to Staten Island, as you mentioned. The city is right by John with the Ferryhawk Stadium in St. George. It's got a beautiful panoramic view of, of New York City, the Statue of Liberty. and So we're very high on those sites, and we would love people to consider them to to rehabilitate that area, if you will. Vito, you keep talking, man. You're one of my favorite politicians, not just in New York, but in the country. So I mean that. No, I mean that. And you, know, and you showed up to my kids' game last year at the Ferry Hawk Stadium, and it meant a lot to me and Danielle. So thank you for hopping you. on this morning. Continued success. And sky's the limit, Vito Postella. I'm telling you, buddy, thank you. You're very kind, Sid. Have a great day, and I appreciate you uh, having me on today. You got it. That's my friend, the Staten Island Borough President, super guy, Vito Pocella. We'll uh, talk to Scott Kaplan, my first ever radio partner. He's been on this show many, many times. Bernie liked him, too. Uh, He came back when Bernie passed away, but he's actually out in California, and he works at an L.A. sports station, and the Lakers and Nuggets about to play tonight. Always fun having Scott back on the air. We'll exchange some memories. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Friends, how many of us have them? Friends. 77 WABC. Uh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Miami. Uh, uh, South Beach, bringing the heat. Uh, I know that Scott and I started together in Fort Lauderdale. But he's in San Diego, and I'm in New York City. So I think you got confused, Louis. Why Miami? I'm, I'm not confused about a thing. Oh, you just felt like playing both, man. You're moving there with Billy Joel and me. We've got two years left. Maybe that's it. Miami will take on the Boston Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals. Riley's back in the big one. Lakers and Nuggets. And I do want to send a couple of quick shout-outs. Tomorrow, quickly, we've got Peter King... Uh, Vicky Palladino, Curtis Sliwa, and Joe Meningo. Me and Joe will work together for the first time in 19 years. Back to my Roots Sports Podcast, Friday night live, 7 to 9 at Hackensack Brewery in uh, New Jersey. Kono Corvino listening right now. Hello, Kono and Stephanie listening as well. My uh, last guest of the day, it's been a great show. Sarah Palin, Christopher Maddog, Russo, Bo Deedle, Michael Goodwin, and Vito Pocella. My first ever radio partner. Still a huge, huge hit out on the West Coast, San Diego, Los Angeles. And my dear, dear buddy is the great Scott Kaplan. Scott, good morning. How are you, pal? I'm doing really well. Now, by coming on at this moment in time, do I get my picture in the paper as one of Sid's friends? It's so funny you ask that. You'd be surprised. I know this sounds silly, but you'd be surprised how many people texted me yesterday and said, hey, why aren't I in that collage of 18 people? So I've already promised two people they'll be in next month are removed to. You have to come back two. once more. you got to do two in a month, Scott, two in a month. Okay. All right. Who, who are the other two people that wanted in? Monica Crowley 
And uh, she is a uh, very, very famous business person. She actually worked in Donald Trump's administration for those four years. And and, uh, and Dwight Gooden, actually. Uh, okay. All right. All right. Both of those people, I think, are, are top 18ers. I don't, I don't know the first person that you spoke to. Uh, I mean, Sydney, I got to be honest with you, man. I'm a top 18 myself. 100%, right? Right. So who? we're going to kick somebody off that page. I'm getting in. All right. Uh, well, any one of the three guys that works with me right now every day, Lou, Justin, and Noam, I'll get rid of Justin. How about that? <laughs> yeah, uh, don't get rid of Justin. No, you like Justin. I know get you like of, Justin. Get, yeah. Yeah, get rid of Noam. Noam? Noam's out. Yeah. Well, you don't you don't like Noam? Yeah. <laughs> no, I love Noam. Okay. I still love the name. Let me tell you something. The guy that may be on his way out, all kidding aside, is Mayor Eric Adams. And I tell you that because I told you yesterday during a private conversation that I had Scott Bayo on the show. Scott's a good buddy of mine last week. And he left Los Angeles. And he moved down to Miami because, much like New York City, we've got illegals and homeless all over the place. You guys in California, specifically Los Angeles and San Francisco, you've got the same thing, if not worse. And you can attest to that, Scotty, because you make that trip from San Diego to Los Angeles a couple of times a week, yes? Yeah, I don't know anything about Chachi moving anywhere. But um, (laughs) (laughs) all I can tell you is this, Sid. Um, I'm in downtown L.A., uh, you know, two, three times a week. And it is one of the saddest moments. I mean, when you, oh. when you pull into to LA, to downtown LA, and by the way, downtown San Diego is not that different, uh, but downtown LA, you mentioned San Francisco, by the way, I can tell you in my travels with the NFL, Denver, Seattle, Sydney, the homeless problem in our country and in major cities. And again, I'm only talking about San Diego and LA, which is where I live back and forth between these two cities. But when I travel for the NFL season, Seattle, Denver, cities like these, yeah. the homeless problem is just so bad. And I feel yeah. so sad for all these folks because, you know, a lot of it is mental health related. Uh, some of it is uh, our folks that have, you know, left the military, particularly in Southern California, and don't know what to do with themselves. It's just a, an incredibly tragic and sad situation. I get to see it every day. Wow. But you'll put all that, side, all that stuff aside tonight because the important thing is LeBron James is back in the conference finals, isn't it? <laughs> Oh, my God. I can't believe what has happened here. I mean, the Lakers were 2-10. and 10, And and before the trade deadline, uh, they were a dysfunctional, hot mess. Uh, mostly because LeBron had decided a year earlier that he wanted Russell Westbrook. And, uh, you know, LeBron is like a, a coach. You know, a coach who believes, give me that problem, child. I can fix him. And uh, the Lakers found out they couldn't fix Russell Westbrook. But in getting rid of him, I never would have believed that they could have enhanced their roster enough with personnel or that they would have the time to come together to become a team that could make it all the way to the conference finals. And they have, in my opinion, they they have shocked at least my world. Um, Yeah, they got LeBron James and they've got Anthony Davis, but both of those guys were hurt a lot during the year and have been hurt a lot the last few years. So pretty shocked that they're here, but now that they're here, it's a great story. No, it is. And the Laker fans are great right there with Nick Bands here at Madison Square Garden. They go nuts out there in Los Angeles. I know Jack Nicholson doesn't feel great these days anymore, but I know he popped up a couple of weeks ago finally. But I know the whole Los Angeles area goes nuts for the Lakers. And you'll be out there tonight before and after the game covering it at the game, Scott. So give us a little bird's eye view here in New York City of what Los Angeles will look like in a couple of hours. 
Yeah, well, I mean, this first couple of games, you know, Sid, uh, I think L.A. in particular will be uh, on pins and needles because these first couple of games, obviously, as you know, are in, are Denver. in Denver, right? And then this, and, and then this series will come back. And um, when it gets to a Saturday night in downtown L.A., like yeah. you said, and Knicks fans can understand this because, you know, they take over the garden and they take over the streets outside the garden with some very unrealistic expectations. But the same goes here. I mean, I think that now everybody expects the Lakers to win. I think people look at Denver, and even though Jokic is a two-time MVP, I don't think anybody really looks at them like uh, with great respect. Um, it's kind of the way people look at the Jets, right? They're like, oh, well, they're just the Jets. Well, <laughs> they may be a different Jets team with Aaron Rodgers. At least I hope they are. Agreed, yes. Um, but, but I think that a lot of people uh, look at the Lakers now, and, and this is my opinion anyway, it's great when Anthony Davis is a beast, and it's great when LeBron James is a rock star. But the best part of this Laker team right now is there are names that many of the people who are listening right now in New York may not necessarily know as, home, uh, as, as you know, everyday names. But Austin Reeves is an undrafted player who two years later is like their number three option. Oh, he's been team. great. He's been uh, great. Yep. Yeah, and a guy like D'Angelo Russell, they traded for, and they got this kid, and he was hurt originally, but he's very smooth. Well, he was he here a lot early. He was actually in Brooklyn for yeah. a while, D'Angelo. So, yeah, we know him. Yeah. No, they they they, they made a, they made incredible strides uh, during the yeah. trade deadline, getting a guy like Russell. And you talked about Reeves, a kid they found. I've only got sixty seconds, but I really want to talk about. Cited you sent me a a great uh, story yesterday in a in a paper in Pittsburgh. And uh, they use cited without actually using the name. You've been on this show many times talking about what is really the better Twitter, if you will. Where are you these days with cited? Well, hey, Sid, you know what? I'll make it really brief because you've always been good to me. Um, and so many times I've come on the, the show and promoted this, this product. Um, it has really taken off now. And, and publishers all around the country and all around the world are bolting on this software and they're using it to make more money for their company, which, as you know, media companies all need to do. Um, they need to collect first-party data because, you know, communicating to their audience is the most important thing. And I could ramble on and on and on. But, yes, it, things are going great, man. It's, it's super exciting right now. And uh, anybody who's listening who happens to be in the publishing industry, cited, S-I-D-E-D dot C-O. You can learn all about it. And, gosh, I appreciate that, man. Oh, you got it. It's, it is, uh, it's a great idea. It's a, it gives people an opportunity to kind of go back and forth on any given subject. It could be sports. It could be politics. could be any debate uh, that is worthy of debating these days. And, and we know this. There's a lot to debate in the country today. Yeah. A lot. And, and, <laughs> I mean, Sydney, yeah. and, and Sydney, I'll, I'll, I know you got to go, but I'll leave you on this. The way we say it is this, because um, it's really a polling service now more than anything. You're, here's what we say. You ready, Sid? Yep. OPP. You know what OPP stands for? No. Well, you remember the old song? I do. Are you down with OPP? Yeah, you know me. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. OPP. Ours stands for Our Polls Pay. I like it. So, seriously. I like it. OPP. Our Polls Pay. I like it. I like that. It's true because there's so much stuff out there on social media today. Folks out there that are tweeting 97,000 times a day. And uh, they don't get compensated for any of it. Scott site cited, you will get paid for that. Our polls pay. And that's the truth. OPP, hey, I love you. Baby. OPP, I love you. Enjoy. Uh, I know it's in Denver, but when it gets back to Los Angeles, enjoy those games. And we'll talk again very soon. Scotty, you the best. I am a top 18. <laughs> yes, you are. Forever. 
and always will be my very first ever radio partner, my friend Scott Kaplan. That'll do it for us on a Tuesday morning. We'll all be back with a great show on Wednesday, folks. Enjoy the sunny weather. From all of us to all of you, peace. If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at Info at GobbleLaw.com. Gobble Law, where winning is no accident.